All right, want to do a show? Yeah, oh, let's do a show. That was the quickest you've ever responded. I'm so excited. We got the music right and everything. Um, okay, so. Are you okay? No. Hold on. Are you mad? No, I'm going to cry. Hold on. You're going to cry? I just pulled the nose hair. All right, so oh. um, I was talking to somebody, so I'm getting ready to, uh, to direct and produce another short film. Oh, and, nice. I, and the guy, it's a little bit different. It's it's. We have to create the narrative because he's not. Am I screaming again? Yeah, I'm, but I'm not. It's not going to come I know. off screaming, it's, John. It's, it's not coming Look, across. Watch the little the heartbeat. I'll explain to you simple thing. Watch the know. little heartbeat. I'm just telling things. you. In this room, I can tell your voice. Well, maybe it bounces off the. Fa- anyway, this is it. Anyway, yeah. So we have to kind of create the narrative. One of the things, create the narrative, and because there's there's no uh, dialogue, and one of the things oh, we were talking about was there's a moment where he has to cry, and so I said to him, I go, so because he wrote it, and he's also an actor. And I said, can you cry and demand? And he goes, pretty much, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. That's Because that that's important. Otherwise, we sit there for four hours. Or, it's a like I said, he has to pull a nose hair. Pull a nose start, hair. you got to use, like, some Visine in his eyes. There's, like, you know, all kinds of weird tricks. I'm but. not putting Visine in his eyes. Well, you know what I mean. But, like, he would have to do something to make it look like he was crying. Uh, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am uh, Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. By the way, speaking of in the eye. So, last night, first baseball <laughs> oh, practice Jesus of the Christ. new. No, no. Speaking of in the eye. First baseball practice of the new season for the kids. By the way, happy uh, baseball. Day today's the first televised spring training okay. game. Way to timestamp it. So <laughs> okay. anyway, I don't wouldn't worry about it. But it's not the first game of the season for my team that I coach. Ah. but it was the first practice where I, I'm just getting to know the kids and getting to know the parents. And uh, <laughs> I hit. A, we're doing we're, we're doing infield practice. I hit the ball to my son at shortstop. He throws the ball to first base. The first baseman completely misses it. Ball hits him square in the eye. Ooh. He goes down, Crying. I drop the bat, I say shit, he says shit, all the other <laughs> coaches say shit. Kids are more concerned than all the adults that a child is saying shit, not yeah. the fact that a kid just took a baseball everyone's to the face. Everyone's swearing, everyone's swearing. <laughs> Which is funny, because in, in the wrap-up, you know, when, it, when everybody, when, during the investigation afterwards, <laughs> that's what the kids remember. They're like, yeah, you get hit in the face, but what I really remember is the way the adults shit? reacted. That was yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And the kid himself even was like, you know, I, I said shit, and I really want to apologize for that. And we're like, well, you just said it again, but it's totally fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he took it. Thankfully, not right in the eye socket. He yeah, took it right say, at the heart. You know that thing that's right above your eye? It's like really hard right there. It's your brow or whatever. Whatever that is. But that's some hard bones. So he took it there. It did. Um, hard bone. It did. Uh, careful. It did uh, uh, split it open. The good thing is I had a dad there who's also a professional stuntman and a former football player. So oh, he like, literally put on the rubber gloves, got the first aid kit, oh. like put them all back together. He's He eventually uh, did have to go to the hospital and get some stitches, but he was fine. But yeah, for that one moment, I'm like, Okay, well, this is a great first five minutes to start a practice. You yeah. know, sending a kid away, uh, bloody. Well, you know? I mean, look, you gotta sacrifice your body sometimes in baseball <laughs> to get the. That's what my coach has always told me. So I have a question for you because yeah. this this is so I do um, I do a valet at my kid's school, right? And I'm like. You do valet. Valet, you know, yeah, because it's just safer. So it's called safety valet. So you let the people oh, pull up, drop their kids you, off. You help the kids out. You get because it's it's kinder. So or not kinder, but it's elementary school. So you let them get out. Whatever. Now, what are you doing? Are you you're helping? Them we get open out? the door and we oh, help okay, the little kids okay, get okay, out, okay, and okay, then okay, you know we okay. tell the parents to take hike. So, um, I like to mess around and joke. And as you know, like we're we're so used to our world where like everything is a riff, right? And so like big things, it would be like. 
I open the door. I'm like, welcome to school. The best part of school today is you, little buddy. Like, I'm just being silly. And then every once in a while, it's weird because a kid will hop out and my head will be in. And one of my go-to jokes is the parent will always be like, I love you. And I'm always like, I love you, too. And they're like, <laughs> I'm just talking to you. And I'm like, do, 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 do. like it's my go-to, right? That's a good go-to, man. It is a good go-to. I would never get sick of that if I was a parent. Right. I love so, you. And you going, I love you, too, from the back seat. <laughs> so today, and this is where I think there's just a learning curve where I kind of got to figure out, like, the new world we live <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. So today... I left the kid out. Mom goes, wait, wait, give me a kiss. And my head was already in there. And all I said from a distance was like, well, okay. You know, in like the goofy clown voice. And she's like, ha ha, that's inappropriate. And I was like, oh. And I understand where she was coming from. But it wasn't like I made an advance. It was just a silly borderline vaudeville clown joke, which is I'm pretty much a clown anyway. And it's like putting everything into the perspective I was like, all right, fair enough. I get it. I didn't feel like I crossed any line. I was just being silly. She didn't get mad at me, mad at me, and I kind of saw her later, and she's like, hey, how you doing? But it was like, for that moment, I was like, am I in trouble? That I literally just screw myself over by making a silly joke. Because no there was valid. no intent. Actually, maybe you helped yourself, and you just won't have to, you won't get to yeah. volunteer at the school But anymore. you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's, you, I realized in that moment, I'm like, oh, man, there's, there's like, these new boundaries that are coming up for, like, what's silliness, what's funny. Yeah. And, and I had and no also, intent. And, I, and I'm fine with never doing it again. I literally just thought it was funny. Like, yeah. silly. I didn't, I, there was nothing aggressive about it at all. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, look, the, everything is subjective. People is. respond differently to different things. And it's, and again, you, it's like, you, you know, reading the room. Sometimes you tell a joke and you're like, oops, like, yeah. ah, that didn't go well, you know. Yeah, but And here's where I will defend the mom is maybe in her mind, she was like, my daughter's not going to get the joke. So then I'm like, you know what? Oh yeah, well, I, if that's where her mind was, then her mind should have been to explaining the joke about explaining the joke to her daughter. We don't have time like, for that. She's got to get going, and the kids got to get. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, well, I no one has time to explain anything to anybody. Then we're all fucked anyway. So I understand, and I'm again, I'm accepting responsibility for my silliness. But like, I had literally like a moment of guilt and panic, and I was like, "Good God!" Like, it's I I didn't realize how slippery the slope can be. Like you said, reading the room and knowing your yeah. audience and knowing your situation, it's like. You get so caught up in just being silly sometimes, you forget that, you know. And so I thought, after having doing so much public speaking at school and trying to remind yourself the things that you say when the kids are around, you know, especially if you're, like, improv and you're riffing, you got to yeah. be careful. Yeah. Like, how down, how far go, down the road you, you go. You cannot go too poopy, too farty. So basically what I'm saying is I suck. I'm I disagree, idiot. but um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you're not uh, banned from valet. No, 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 the... no. Like I said, the mom. I saw her later, and she didn't care. I just, I was talking about the mo, the in the moment. Yeah, she um, was like, "Hey, dude, let's take it down a notch, Captain." I, 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 I don't know what to do. I, w- I want to bring in our guest, but I also like want to briefly mention that we um, you, have, you have a minute or two. And I guess we are. T- I guess we're <clears throat> again. This might be a timestamp, but uh, Peter Tork passed away today. What? <clears throat> I didn't know that. That's yeah. a monkey. He was 77 years old. Uh, I didn't realize he was 77 on top of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I followed, you got to see the monkeys recently. I got to see Mickey and Mike. Well. Because Peter had had some heart issues and couldn't be on the road, and obviously Davy Jones passed away yeah. a couple of years back. But uh, it was like they put up a picture of him at the, at the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was... Uh, I don't know. The monkeys were the first, like they were my first intro to music. You know what I mean? Like I would come home from AM kindergarten and and they would be on reruns, you know. And I 
I've saw I've seen every Monkeys episode, and I was obsessed. Like that's why I started playing the guitar. You know, like I loved the Monkeys. So of course I followed him on Twitter, and everything he does on Twitter is like, just everything he's doing was just super positive and super. Okay. You know, he's just such a nice. He just seemed like such a nice human being. You know what I mean? So I was really bummed when I was like scrolling through this morning, and like on his Twitter feed was his the people who ran it saying, you know. He had passed away, and then I looked it up online, and that was died of a heart attack or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure. You said he was sick. You said he had heart problems. He he did have some heart issues, and again, he was 77, and uh, well, 77 these days is that's true. That's true. You know, it's that's why obviously. But if you said he has heart problems, that that yeah, he wasn't on tour with those guys because of his heart. I think. But then on that tour, like three shows later, Michael Nesmith had like a heart issue, and then he had to be hospitalized, and then he got out, and they continued touring or whatever. I was like, okay. And they're coming back around, or he's doing something close by soon. Michael Nesmith, the guy in the hat, the guy. In the- <laughs> but but what from what I, I remember learning that they weren't real, uh, they weren't a real band no. necessarily. I learned very early on through I want to say TV Guide. Oh, look at you! That <laughs> that they were cast, and then they showed those audition tapes. Remember those? They, they, yeah, 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 uh, they, yeah. They had that that episode where that ran short, so they showed like some like black and white audition tape footage and then i remember learning also that the only two real musicians in the band when they started were were peter tork and mike nesmith peter tork is was like is actually uh, a really well-rounded musician he played bass he played like sax he played a bunch of instruments and michael nesmith was a, is a super accomplished guitar player he's a fantastic guitarist but then mickey dolan's was like this clown who just had a good look and then they kind of taught him drums mm-hmm. now i could be speaking out of my ass so if someone is like i know mickey dolan's he's played drums his whole life then my apologies but it seemed not that way and davy jones was just the guy who was like Chicks want to fuck him, so they like he was like the dude. I will say though, I mean, what's what was unique about that show, and I know it wasn't a, a long-lasting show on television, but I mean, dude, think about the fact that I mean, those they wrote some really good songs on top of it. it for for a show that basically its foundation was a band, they actually whoever wrote the songs, a bunch of different people, including Neil Diamond. But my point is, yeah, yeah, and some of them very smart in the end, yeah. But, but again. Accessible, poppy, likable. Like it, it did. It could have gone completely south. It's the antithesis of, but not like the only thing comparable is the cartoon Metalocalypse, where it's a death metal band that lives together, but they're like a death metal band, and the shit they do is cartoony, and it's you know what I mean. Whereas the Monkees were more like. Hey, we're gonna go play somebody's birthday party, and like, oh, the dad doesn't like Davy kissing the daughter. Woo! And then there was like nine songs with them all running around Benny yes. Hill style, yep. you know. But it was as a kid, you were like, this is awesome. Like, yeah, you're going to play that show, dude. You better dress alike. That you're in a band. How are people gonna know you're in a band if you're not wearing the exact same thing when you play? Which is funny uh, to what we talked about on the last episode was that when you wanted to be strong, slow it down. When you want to be hilarious. Speed, Speed it up. up. <laughs> Yakety sax. Uh, all right, I'm going to bring in our guest because I, I want to see possibly he might have to want to weigh in on the oh. monkeys. I have no idea. Uh, a, a guy I met really early on in my whole, like, I think I could do this thing. Um, but very uh, funny, talented uh, writer, actor, uh, producer, director, co-director. 
Yeah, you're making me sound host. Way cooler. Dude. <laughs> he, just, he was just taking everything. He was like, "Yeah, throw it in there. Let's go." Astronaut Ro- Ro- Rob O'Malley. <laughs> Who's checking, everybody? right? Who's Rob, checking? Rob O'Malley. Rob, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Boy, I just learned a lot about the monkeys. Okay, so you, <laughs> I, I just, I had no. I mean, I watched them. Like you know, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah, I could probably name like Davy and Mickey, and and like that was. Uh, it's hilarious. The ones that aren't the like, the ones I'm like, yeah, they were like the the. But I just really learned like a lot. I, I I'm gonna probably hit Google after this, and uh, I look, man, I highly recommend digging into some of that music because I mean, like you said, it it, it wasn't like as a band they wrote all those songs. They were a concocted TV show. I but know, I'm blown away right now. It's like a Kaiser Sose moment. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's more interesting about stuff like that, though, is, because and, and, uh, you obviously, you know, you work in this business, it's always amazing to me that these short-run, borderline classified as failures at the time shows get a little bit of syndication action, action because back then they didn't have much to put on TV. They're like, that's cheap, put that on. All of a sudden, we're still talking. You even, even if you don't know much about the monkeys, you, you know, know who the monkeys you know who are. are. Yeah. A barely successful show when it came out, yeah. and we're still talking about it fifty years later. Successful That's crazy. enough. Successful enough that it ran In like five seasons. Because no, no, it back was successful because of syndication more so than anything. Yes, else, I of think. course. But without running those five seasons, they could have syndicated it, right? Wasn't that the rule back then? Like I don't five think seasons not way of TV. Back then, I think you could have probably had two seasons, and they also probably shot a lot more in a season. Like now. A season could be what six episodes. Well, you know? that's the crazy part. Back then, seasons were twenty-two episodes. Yeah. Like, go back to NYPD Blue, twelve seasons, twenty-two episodes a season. Like, they didn't go less or more. They went twenty-two episodes every season yeah. for twelve seasons. That's insane to me. That's because yeah. now it's like, hey, so this show's out. There's four episodes in a season, and you're like, oh, that was pretty easy to binge watch. It's done. <laughs> you're done. The and then you got to wait day. like seven more years for another <laughs> season. You're like, come on. They got to fix that part of it. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard. I mean, I think everything's changed in, in the last uh, decade or so. Cool. And it's like, it's the studios. And I mean, look, we could go on and on about the internet and, and all that stuff. But like, the good, yeah, they the don't want to take a chance. They don't let a show last anymore yeah. for a second. Yeah. I felt do you like maybe back in the day like they had just had so much more riding on everything because there wasn't content just flooding in so they were like look we got to change move Seinfeld around a little bit put it behind that show put it over here give it a season I don't know renew it for another season nobody's watching this fucking thing what are we gonna do with it like Seinfeld would have been like today that show would have been canceled in like three episodes gone yeah I mean it, it's just crazy how they don't let anything. I call it like, it's like you don't let it breathe. We don't have time to get into the characters. We don't have time to like the characters or dislike the characters, and then they cancel the show. So, like, if I don't like the characters, I don't give a shit. I think Friends was most famous for that. I believe they were about to cancel that. I don't think they even liked it when they first made it. I think they were very like, oh, God, this is going to be a failure in that show. But, again, it just goes to show you, you know, you got to give people a chance to find something. That yeah. That's, but, you know, again... That's the good and the bad. I think you know there are the the you know for as much as you can get mad at the Netflixes and the Hulus of the world, it gives you a chance mad, to yeah. no. So a lot of people do though, uh. but it gives you a chance to find something. It gives you a chance to at least discover it. Yeah, and look, I th- I think it's a I, th- I think all that shit is a positive. I think all the different avenues that well, we you have to because you're trying to get them to give you money. So you <laughs> Netflix, always, I love you. <laughs> you. Should always think it's a positive. I told you about that. Rob knows what's up. Yeah. Did you did you guys see that Outlaw King on Netflix that? 
That po- that picture that Eddie sent me. I didn't. Did I actually see what? It, that, no. Yeah. I, well, there, I there don't know some... Eddie, so I didn't see. I, it's been a while <laughs> since I've been hacking into your phone. Ever since the old no, misunderstanding. No, you watch a lot of Netflix. Thing. Thing. There's a there's an ad for a new movie or show coming out. They have called Outlaw King, and the picture is like this dude kind of covered like a bloody face, and he's pulling swords out of his back. He's like in the middle of this epic battle or whatever, and uh, like uh, Game of Thronesy, if you will, and uh, it the guy looks. Just like me, like it's insane. Like we look, it's insane how close together we like. It could be the same person. So my friend Eddie, who you don't know, uh, <laughs> sent me sent me the the clip, the picture of it, and it said Netflix and Outlaw King, and I reposted it and said, "Hey, my new Netflix special looks hilarious." <laughs> like thinking people would get the joke because it was on Netflix. People might have seen it on Netflix, but like. Uh, people like a couple people like no i know that guy he's like he beat me out for a role at game of thrones or whatever i was like oh okay and and then like i had one friend who's like <clears throat> he's he's got some health issues can't see real good whatever i see that he reposted it and i go look at his post and it's like so proud of my friend john huck for his <laughs> netflix special and i'm let, like ooh oh let man, it ride no yeah. let no, it no. ride don't sometimes you just don't say anything <laughs> yeah, well I mean, no i had to i i was like hey man just so you know i don't have a netflix special that's not me I mean, hey, the whole posting game, like, you know, like, it's a it's a younger person's game. They're just able to do it. I, I like, antagonize for 45 minutes over an Instagram post, like, <coughs> diffusing a damn bomb over yeah. situations like that because I have a habit, like Brian here, to say things and do things that I think is hilarious in the time, my non-filter. So I'm like, hey, can I get a kiss, too? You know, hey, buddy, a little inappropriate. I'm like, oh. Oh, my oh. bad. And then I'm mad. Then I'm, like, confused, and I go through all the stages <laughs> of, like, She's a bitch. <laughs> So's her little daughter, Janelle, man. God, no. And then I'm like, then I'm like, wait, I'm an asshole. You know what I mean? And it's like I can sit there and stew on it for forty, you know, forty days. Yeah, <clears throat> I think. Well, I think that shows some forethought to like. I mean, you, you're probably obsessing a little much over your Instagram posts, but like, it, it does. You should be thinking about what you're putting out there, like the stuff that you would think it was funny with you and your buddies, or you and your wife, even just sitting around, like. That might not carry over, and it might be taken out of context, and that's like the worst thing that can happen is something gets taken out of context because, like, most of the stuff that happens, people are like, "What?" Like Liam Neeson, man, that guy just got leveled, yeah, and well. all he was like, "Yeah, man, I had this anger, and I realized how stupid it was," but no one got to let him get to the stupid. It's part. okay to be upset for a second, but it's like, at what level are we? We have to have like a pitchfork level. Like right now, people are trying to re-kill John Wayne. Oh man, and it's that's like, hilarious. Yeah, okay. He was a douchebag. I knew he was a douchebag. I already was that a article's a long time been ago. out forever. That's not a hidden my article. Fa- my favorite. It was in Playboy magazine, have you, have the most popular that? magazine no, of the seventies. No so apparently, he babbled on about white supremacy and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah, but we've I, known I get, about those quotes forever. My favorite defense is everybody's like, well, maybe if you listen to Public Enemy more, you'd already know this. Like I'm like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, because they, that's what people are saying. Or or read Frank Zappa's uh, autobiography because in there he's like, yeah, John Wayne was at this party. That guy is an unhappy drunk douchebag. Yeah. And it was like. Yeah, John Wayne was an old, like, dude, the best thing I saw was, like, John Wayne came from a different time. For instance, this is what a ripped body looked like. And it was a shirtless <laughs> picture of him, and it's kind of like, he's just like, you know, a 50-year-old John Wayne, f- disgusting, yeah. like, pasty white. So like me, you're describing me. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so you had a Brian Irwin. Forgive my ignorance, and, no, no. and let me just say that for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> this is a blanket statement. You'll see that look on my face like I have no idea what you're talking well, about. Well, it's okay. That's part of it is we're educating you. But, now. like, I knew 
John Wayne probably wasn't the coolest guy, but like, was did he have some white supremacist issue? Did he well, say he, according he to this article, and what everybody's uh, uh, are upset about is the answer is yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean he blatantly says that you know he didn't think black people were as intelligent, and he thought they needed to learn more. And he's like, no one's telling them they can't go to school, and then women needed to know their place. Like he basically said the things that everybody his age at that time in that area felt and it was ignorant it's ignorance it's fear we we uh, we understand now that racism is it's it's all fear-based it's like you're afraid that someone else is taking your life or your area or your section or your you know thing and and you blame them for that even though it's your fear it's a it's a bizarre it's a bizarre thing that's been going on forever. I mean, I, I'm not going to attempt to solve it right now. I'm just saying, <clears throat> why are we caring what John Wayne said? Yeah, we shouldn't be trying to get... We, we, we have better things forward. to be upset about now. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. keep digging up people's bones and being like, <laughs> piss on this guy! We might like, just have bigger things to worry about than, than what the Duke said yeah. all those years ago. Yeah. Dude, like, yes. There might just be a bigger picture out there when you talk about fear and, you know, could... Could it possibly be manipulated yeah. to do insane things like we're living through right now? Yes, yes. So yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just like we. There are a lot of things going, kind of circling back to what we're talking about. It's like there are things we all have. We have a lot to learn, and it, you you learn until well, your last me, breath. Well, but a lot, everyone so. around me has a lot to learn, and and so like, but. We're not learning. I, I, the way I looked at the John Wayne thing is, from a, from a comedy standpoint, it's just kind of funny because you're not really learning anything. It's not it's not adding any value or making us better moving forward. It's like we already knew all that crap, like yes. about that generation. So, and look, less and less people are putting up John Wayne posters in their house anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, you ask most kids right now; they barely know who Michael Jordan is. So let's not worry about the influence yeah. that the icon John Wayne still has on our society. Right, right, right. It doesn't really exist, you know. And the, and, and, and and you know, and I like to think that the people that thought like that are kind of dying out, not in a not in a morbid they're dying way, but like that they they are. The you ideology they, is is slowly it's, disintegrating. It's moving. Well, is it though? I mean, like in some places probably not. Where we live in our bubble that I love yeah, this bubble. Yeah, I mean by our the bubble way. exactly. Yeah, I love like, this bubble. Yeah, but like 35 or 38 to 40% of the country is like still like I st- I still think though that the 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 people that hold those views like they are trying to pass them on but I don't know I, I I try to be a little bit more positive about the whole thing and just that I I feel like eventually we'll we'll get there as a society you know what I mean? and not in my lifetime not in our lifetime I don't think I'm going to be always, here for it look, but there's always going to be a change can happen of fast though I mean like like can. look at what's happened with the the gay community um I mean, I grew up in an era. I'm just, you guys probably. Where are you, you from? Know, originally yeah, from Ohio, near Cleveland. Okay, Ohio. Midwestern. Oh. So we're all Midwesterners. Okay. Home of the world champion 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. There he is. He's back. Oh, right. oh, yeah, the Cavaliers in 2016. Finally, something you get to say, right? Well, I mean, it just <laughs> it used to just be. It's all you know, I can rock say. And roll. It's all I can say. It's all I could. Yeah, Andrew Carey. Andrew Carey. Yeah, Curry. I used to be like, well, we had the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hey, but right now, on. I can say we were champions once in yep. my lifetime. Yep. Also, dude, home of the greatest Game Seven in World Series history. Yeah, that's not what. Yeah, that's not, not how he. I mean, really it, no, no, and I don't mean I'm not. A, I'm not rubbing it in. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I was. I did that hilarities. Uh, that club that's right there. Um, Downtown. Yeah, it's right next because all your. I love how all the 
the venues are next. It's like that is the cool thing. Here's about where the Cleveland. Here's Harvard the Cavs right play. Here, right, right next door is where the Indians play. Uh, right down the streets where the Browns play. Here's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was like, oh man, this is and and like that downtown area is is really nice. So I I like it wasn't. It was like you know, wasn't baseball season, but I went over there and like, cause you can, they have that gate and you can kind of see the field from the gate. So I just took a bunch of pictures because it was such like, however you feel about either team, as a fan of baseball, that was one of the greatest game sevens that ever was played. So like, it was crazy. Yeah, it was did heartbreaking. You, did you, I mean, we we were such on, we were on such a high because the Cavs had just won, and like to think like while the Indians could win a few months later, yeah, like that was such a like this isn't even real. Like I, yeah. we were just happy to be there, kind of. Yeah. But like, but like it was like, oh, and yeah, oh yeah, we're Cleveland. Yeah. Well, no, but dude, no. you know, but it you know what the other end of that was is me in New York with my, at my brother's house going, well, well, this is we're the fucking cops. This is it. We're done. We're, like <laughs> I was like I was I was going crazy. It was so up and down. But do you? I had a theory that the Indians wouldn't even have been in that World Series if the Cavaliers had not won. Does that make sense? Like. I feel like the whole city no. sort of stood up straight, like, yeah, we can win a championship. We just did it. And then the Indians were like, yeah, why can't we? And then they just started fucking mowing people down. You know what I mean? Well, sure, let's just give LeBron credit for that, too. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it was cool. It was a great time in Cleveland. Uh, my family was, everyone was like, first of all, in Cleveland when we won the championship was amazing yeah uh, my oh. son was there uh i have a son that lives oh. back in cleveland he now lives here by the way tyler o'malley he's, he's he's an actor uh he wanted me to give him a shout out oh nice <laughs> uh, nice yeah. what uh how Check old him is out on instagram at tyler o'malley um how, how old is he 22 years old 22 he moved out here he came to visit me in july for one week he's a he's son you adopted since. when he was 21 how do you have a 22 year old <laughs> child brian yeah. i love that you just said that because it segues perfectly into um, I was in middle school and I hooked up with my middle school teacher. She was hot and blonde. Oh, and I kind of started that old trend. <laughs> you didn't believe that one? You believed start, the other thing? I believed I the other one at yeah, first. Yeah. At first. I was waiting first. for John to be like, um, that's my official story. I'm sticking to it. I was that's very fair. maybe young. Yeah. And um, I had I mean, a you don't. You look like a young guy now. I mean, I, I, I know how old you are, but you look... Thank you. Like this is two shows in a row. <laughs> we've had oh, we've had some handsome guys on the show here. Handsome uh, fellas. Hoyt Hoyt Riches is a pretty handsome guy. He's 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 the OG. Yeah, handsome. I mean, he, he technically really is. He's the first male yeah, supermodel. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, yeah. You get a, it's well. Anyways, goes he packs through, a so. wallop, but um, he does. He packs a wallop in every way. But so you have a twenty. <laughs> is this your? I, I assume this is from a previous marriage. It's a previous relationship. relationship. I was like I said, we were young. Uh, it didn't work out. We tried to make it work out back then, in in Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he, uh, it didn't work out. I moved out here, and maybe she was going to come out. So long story short, he would just spend summers out here, and, and he was a big part of my life. And my parents. Okay, so you didn't. You you had a relationship with him throughout. It was just a part time. Thru- Throughout, like he would spend the whole summer out here. I'd go back for all holidays. We would do, like, you know, I'm here. I'm trying to be like Father of the Year award. Um, no, but you wanted, you made it a point was, to be I was in around his life him. When you, and my, yeah, my parents were uh, big time in his life. My parents lived across the street from her parents, and so he was. It's it's been a it's been a big thing, and um, so like I said, he came out to visit for a week, mm-hmm. and he decided he was staying, and then uh, which is, is cool, which was kind of cool because my wife was like, uh, "What's he doing?" How, a, how old was he at the time he he decided to come out here visit and stay? Twenty two. Oh, oh, just this, this, was this just this happened was, in July. Oh, okay. He came oh, out shit. to visit for a week. 
And now you're married. You're married now. To, yes. To, okay. And we have a child, and yes. we have a two bedroom. And so he was like, he was kind of like, I want to stay for a little bit. And I was like, cool, dude. Like I wanted him to because I was like, I wanted him to kind of get out and travel and and see the world a little bit and expand his you know horizons and not kind of. Not that there's anything wrong with Cleveland, but I just wanted him to get out. There's just and more. See a different, there's more. Different it's world. With, it's with everywhere. Wherever he was born and raised, there's yeah. more around him than just that. So it is important to get and out. And like I think you do. I think as a young man, I think you need to get out there and have your little adventures and travel. And it's no, there's nothing wrong with coming back to where you live no. and living there. But it, you, I think you should get out because you get that cultural education that you can't get. Other places, I mean, you can get a little bit of it in college if you're out there and you and you're around different places. But like to get that, and and, and LA is a great place to to get that. And he kind of came out, and um, the next thing you know, he landed himself in a Ben Affleck movie. Get the fuck. He's like he's got he's got the opposite of what I got because I would like land myself like accidentally, you know, insulting Ben. Like you know what I mean? Like oh, I don't know what happened. How what is he like a handsome dude? I mean, he's my son, so what oh. am I going to say? How do I answer that? But yes, he's he's a very he's very uh, he's a very good looking guy. Uh, he's 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 very tall, and uh, and 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 I hate him for this. He's just shredded. Yeah, like he walks around my house. Oh, he's got like, that sweet metabolism. Oh, he's his metabolism's just it's on fire, man. So he's got like he's got veins in his abs. He likes to walk around in my house with this my shirt, you know, his shirt off. Oh yeah. You know, it's like I uh, I walk around with spanks on. I mean, I'm, I'm doing okay, but like, yeah, I was gonna say, like, you, I'm you, like, you got nothing to worry you about. You know, he but he keeps me in check. It's cool. We work out together. So he, um, it was really cool. This is a great story. Like, I knew, like, I saw a casting that they were looking for basketball players, high school age that could look high school age that really knew how to play basketball. And he was a big jaw. He was quarterback of his football team, of course, um, and a like a point guard. Uh, you know, varsity basketball player and. Uh, so I said, hey, dude, you should send to this, you know, send to this thing. And I just happened to, you know, I knew somebody involved. And I said, hey, my kid's going to submit to this. And they're like, okay, cool, we'll look out for it. And then they got an email back to him. Hey, take a, a video of you doing a bunch of basketball stuff, yeah, dribbling, shoot shooting. Hoops. So we yeah. went out there, we did a video, they sent it in. A couple weeks later, they called him like, hey, show up to this tryout. He shows up to the tryout, and it's a bunch of dudes. And um, long story short, they picked him to be on Ben Affleck, Ben. I should back up. Ben <laughs> Affleck plays a high school basketball coach. He okay. comes back to the high school he grew up at. He's a big star. He comes back and he's going to coach his old high school team. Okay. So he gets on Ben's team. All right. So they had six guys on the team that went through the casting process, callbacks, all that stuff, agents. But they took four guys and they hired him as background. To just but be to just play while to be right, on the team. They they're, they're, they're the because they needed bench players and they needed to have choreography to have like five games. He could have ended up for a day or something on another team, like team B, team C, you know, whatever. Right. But after so he gets on Ben's team, game. the director likes all the guys and he's like, I want them to be a team. So for a month beforehand, they did all these practices, like choreography, and he got to know all these guys and uh it was a really cool experience. And then they oh. gave him lines. So they upgrade him. Jesus. And he has this really super cool experience with Ben Affleck, who was just He's already like, done this. He's already done it. Oh, okay. He's wrapped it. But okay. like like he got here and like literally like it was not too so long. He got here he, in July of twenty eighteen. Yeah, and this and was, was like by the fall. <laughs> he kicked around for a little bit. So he, he did some PA work. I got him a, a couple PA jobs. Now, can I ask you a question? Did this simultaneously did this coincide just ironically with your drinking problem? <laughs> hey, great kid. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like things are working out real good for you. Yeah. Dad, no. you don't have to become the Hoosiers dad, please. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, funny you should mention that. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I was really happy for him, and it was a really cool experience. But like, I was worried. I was like, now listen, I would let him know every day. This shit just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. hear about it. But your it doesn't son, happen. your son got Ashton Kutchered. Yeah, yeah. He like yeah. literally, he's like, was hey, I like LA. You got him two PA jobs. He's like, oh, now I'm in a movie with Ben Affleck. You're like, wait, what, exactly what's that? Like, Will yeah. you say, keep saying that after his tenth opportunity within the first year? No, uh, this doesn't normally happen <laughs> ten yeah, times. Yeah. I'm all for it. Like, I'm all. I I really am excited for him. Um, he when he would come out here, I, I did so. I did a couple short films with him in it. Like, as a, he was a child actor in his. Okay, so he was also, by the way, he's acted before. It's not like acted in like your dad threw you in something. Okay, we did do a really cool project when he was six called On the Run, where we played a father and son that were on the run, and in order to escape capture, they would keep changing into different disguises, and the dad would try to make it fun for the kid in the face of danger. Oh, like that. I like that. And we got into film festivals, and it was really cool. That's a really great experience because he was always into make believe, like most kids. And I would, and I would do little projects with doing that. Stokes that imagination, like to no end. Oh yeah, but then he then he became a jock, and then it was like he was in Ohio with his friends, and he was like, I was always like, oh, you should try out for. He's like, oh no no, I'm you know, I'm I'm not going to theater. Yeah yeah yeah, I'm a jock, and I got got it because I was I was you know the same thing, and uh, so yeah. He came out here, got that. He's like, okay, I want to do this again. I want to give it a try. Why wouldn't I? You know, being in the situation he just was in. And, and he literally, I mean, it was awesome. Like, they, the guys that he was involved with, they were, you know, really talented group, a bunch of young guys. And they all became friends and would hang out. And here he is on set. They shot down in, like, Ontario a lot. So nice. they put them up in a hotel room. So we got to have that on-set experience. Yeah. Like, I'm walking out. They yeah. got, like, a the stands full because it's like a game atmosphere so it's like the stands are ex- extras and everyone's looking at him and he's like you know Joe Cool and yeah like I people said, are knocking on his trailer door like you, we, yeah, we would yeah. like to invite you to set can I ask you something so it's like because you you obviously have a new life out here this this life I didn't work out the way you had planned it you know with with uh, the, the your first son um, it, is there a part of you that when it all goes, because I can tell you're extremely proud of it. Like, it's that weird thing. That's that fear, right? Like, you're never going to be connected enough because there's physical distance, and you, know, and you worry that it's gonna, always going to be a fractured relationship. Was there? Did you have that moment where you were like, wow, okay, there's a com- something, there's a commonality here, and we're like, we're connected now. I mean, I know it's like at first you're kind of like, you make the joke about it. That the natural, like I've been out here, whatever, and I didn't get these opportunities. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. is there that other part of you that, like, you stop and look at it and go, "Wow, I never really thought it would come to this, but how amazing is this?" Well, as a father, as a father, it's been nothing short of awesome. And and I guess what I say is, we didn't, we never really had a, any kind of a fractured relationship. Like, but you had physical of, distance between. We had always. physical distance, which sucked. But, but you made the best of it. We did make the best of it because my parents were so in his life, and his mother and I did our best to get along, and she was totally encouraging of that. Like, I could literally be like, hey, I'm going to fly in and hang out for a week. She'd be like, cool, take him. It was never like, oh, we have to do it this yeah. way, or that. It was so always he, like... he never had... There was never you guys fighting in front of him. There was never any of that, like... Well, no. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess because we split up at an early age and everything like yeah. that. So, So there wasn't really... It was normal. It was his normal to kind of grow up like that in a sense. But it was cool when he came out here. 
because um, like I said, he would spend summers and everything like that, and, and he was uh, best man at my wedding and nice. stuff like that. Really cool. So you guys are pretty tight. We're pretty tight, and we would talk on the phone all the time. Like I said, he's 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 a meathead like his dad, so he'd be like, yeah, I hit back and buys today, dad. I really <laughs> killed it. I supersetted pull-ups with some, you know, hammer curls, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, man, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. How many sets did you get in? Four? That's cool, you know? How old was he when you decided to move out here? He was like, Almost three. Almost three years it was old. A really, really hard decision. I was just going to ask say, you what, what was put, what, what was all. That? Yeah, yeah. How did how did it get to that separation point for you? Well, not to get. To, we were just two different people. Like I said, we were young. We tried to make it work. It just was... no the physical separation. Sorry. Oh, oh so when yeah, you sorry. finally decided no more Cleveland. Oh yeah. Well, that was what I'm saying with him and his mother and I. Yeah. We were young. We couldn't make it work. You know, and I wanted her to kind of come out, and then we were. We were going to split up. We weren't going to split up. And it was just really back and forth. And I realized this is bad for the kid. And I really wanted to go to L.A. Like, I really wanted to come out here. I was back in Ohio. I was doing uh, local commercials. Okay, um, so you'd, you'd kind of been bit by that bug. Oh, no, I'd been, I, was re- I was ready to come out here and take my rightful uh, place. place as a famous person. So early yeah. 20s, late teens. Yeah, I was like early 20s. Early 20s. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm coming out here. And... Uh, and you had had these conversations with her, so there was all, there was actually a discussion of like the three of us are going. There was some yeah. discussions. There was that. oh, there was discussions, and then okay. even after I left, it was like okay, maybe you can come out, and then it was like back and forth a little bit, and it was hard because like I said, and we were two different people. Like you know, you know, you have relations with someone, and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna have a kid, and then it's like you you're tr- figuring things out. Yeah. yeah. So and you're pretty young. You and know, that was really tough. It was a really tough situation, and 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 like literally, I did think, well, I'm gonna go out there, and I know I'm gonna, you know, I know I'm gonna make it pretty fast, at least start making a lot of money, because I was having little, I was having success in Ohio and local commercials what, and what, stuff like that. What were some of those ads that you were doing in Ohio? Oh, if I can ask, dude, I did. I well, how I got into the union is I did a, a, a McDonald's commercial, a regional McDonald's Sweet. commercial, um, which was, you know, I felt like a champ. You know, that you should because even now you'd be like, I got a well, McDonald's that, ad. Give us your best line from your best commercial that you still remember to this day. That you were like, yeah. That's me. What was what's what's the one you um, like to throw out there every once in a while? Dude, I'm gonna throw some shit at you guys. So I did a channel, th- uh, like the news channel or the the local channel affiliate, like channel three. And I don't know if it was NBC. It might have been NBC. Whatever it was, it was like KCLA, and uh, they were looking for a dude that kind of could pull off like a Harry Connick Jr. look <laughs> and do like. A song, yeah. I'm not a singer at all. You are now. Like, like I am. I have no. Like I have a. Um. I have a famous cousin who's like in musical theater. He can sing. My wife can sing. I cannot sing. And this is before that. Any of them. Before he was famous and before I met. Yeah. My wife. So I was young, and they're like, "Can you do this?" And they're like, "You'll lip sync it, and then they'll dub it in, and um, and it's like they gave you this whole uh, this whole lot. Like I had to memorize all this stuff, and uh, so literally, I'm like. I'm going to stand up. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. i got to show you guys. So they had the, <laughs> the old school mic with the stand and the, yeah. the big, like, I don't know, what do you call it? That's like a cruder microphone. Cruder yeah. mic. Yeah, you know. And uh, so I'm Ryan sitting there. And, and it was, uh, I can, let's see if I can remember part of it. Um, Howie, Sally, and Montel, the talk trio that's really swell. They'll make you laugh. They'll make you cry with not a fist fighter, one black guy. Howie's funny and Sally's cute. Montel's realistic. They're all a hoot. They're giving it all and all on Channel 3. <laughs> <laughs> that was for the news affiliate? I may have messed up the end of it. Yeah. No, so, like, so, like, while I'm singing, like, there's like a, like, they're showing Howie, Sally, and Montel and shit like that. And, like, it was kind of like, hilarious i 
See, it's 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 you know what's sad? Because oh. I can almost remember that whole entire goddamn thing. But give me a big audition to save my life. Like, oh, yeah. this is gonna change your life, Rob. <laughs> yeah. You're like, and you're now at the, the callback, and it's like, Howie Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Can I start over? God damn it! <laughs> this is gonna happen. Do you do you uh, do you have that? Do you have uh, kind of like you mess up your own auditions? You are you are you bad at auditioning? I mean, are you a self sabotager? Is that what you're asking? I don't know. I guess. I mean, I'm, I, if you're saying like, you know, because some people like I I went to my doctor and I I finally got beta blockers to take like about an hour before auditions so that I could sort of calm down. We should probably have this conversation outside the pod about whatever you're taking. Oh well, no, well, I don't. I don't want to get. I don't know. Oh, beta blockers are no, totally okay. legal. They're no, no. Um, yeah, I can be a bad auditioner. Yeah, um, you just made a couple of comments. So I didn't know if it was. I can't, you know, I mean, yeah, not based I, on what I just saw. I, mean, I, I would have yeah, hired you. Right you there. guys would hire me. Um, yeah. So, anyways, like I said, you I, was got big, that I was a big star you got back spot. in Ohio. Like yeah. I was, you know, and, that, uh, was it was it was one of those that ran a ton. It ran a ton in Cleveland. In Everyone fact, knew you. In fact, um, yeah, my relatives. I didn't tell anybody. Like, so my relatives back. Really? I was living outside of Cleveland, like sixty miles away in Port Clinton, Ohio, the walleye capital of the world. By the way, really? Um, yes. Walleye and um, it's a tasty fish. It's a tasty fish, sure. <laughs> and um, and so it didn't air. In my little area, but it aired all over Cleveland and, and surrounding areas. But just my area, it didn't. didn't. That particular out. one. But like all my relatives saw it. And so one day, like, and I didn't, you know, because I was trying to, you know, be humble. And like, so I had a big family back in Cleveland and they were like, oh my God, it's Rob. Look, look, he's singing. It's not, it's not his voice, definitely. That's but definitely like, not him. Yeah. They, they had a really slick dude. He's like, Howie, Sally, and Montel, the doc trio, this really swell. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's painfully obvious to your family. Yeah, there's yeah. no and way. And it was like a local commercial yeah. shot, you know, back with like shitty video. It's, yeah, you know whatever what I mean? they so you had. You could tell like it was like the, the dub was off, was you know? A, like, yeah, it was basically still a public access. access. Yeah, it was totally, it was ba- very standard deaf and um and i don't even think you know like i've said like i think the looping was off a little bit so i was like <laughs> no a little, one cares Back yeah, then, no one no did one care cared. but like they would they saw it and they're like oh my god you know that's great that's amazing and uh so i felt like a big champion um, <laughs> i'm hey. sorry i you know and again forgive me for being all adhd so like we'll be talking about one thing and i'll jump to another no thing, we love it like, no. as for bad auditioning yes i've had some terrible bad auditions and then there's you know sometimes when i have auditions where i feel like a champion you walk out of there like oh dude let me just check my phone right now yeah it's about to ring and then you're like is this thing i was like make sure they don't have (laughs) airplane mode you know what's going on here but we've talked about this before because i've been on the casting side of stuff because i i got out of that game it just was not my game i didn't like auditioning but i and I understand everything that you guys go through, but you know, at the end of the day, and, and I'm sure you probably come to terms with this a lot. I, I know John and I have talked about this. It's it's not you can't take it personally, one because it's not. A, it's a lot of times it's not a personal decision unless you really did do something in there that may have rubbed them the wrong way. It's just that you j- they just know they know when it's the right thing, and that's all it is. And you know, at some point the stars align, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's that. So it's like. I, I always feel bad when I hear you guys talk about the amount of anxiety and the stuff that goes through in it because it's like a lot of it really is out of your control. You just do your thing and go home. Well, and yeah. it sucks. I get. I understand what you go. It through. It doesn't. It doesn't. I've I've come to terms with the whole thing and and just everything I've learned in the past couple of years has been those casting directors don't want you to fail. They're not like no. They're not, they're not like hoping you suck. You know. They want you to book it. They want everyone who comes in to book it. They don't want you know. They want everyone to be happy. 
And then the people who don't pick you don't pick you because, in commercials especially, you just don't have a look they want. It's nothing personal. It's nothing you can fix. It's nothing you can change. And also, for any any big audition I do where I don't get it, I'm always like, at least I spent like two or three days getting, you know, do giving everything I had for this particular thing and like practicing acting really i mean that's what it is like that's what when you when you gear up to audition for something that's like five pages of dialogue and then you go in there you want to you want to feel you want to walk away going it doesn't matter if i get it or not i put in all the work i could and i made that i made choices that were, were probably different and i did what i wanted to do and that's that's it and if people even if you didn't do what they wanted, if they like that you made choices, they'll bring you back and have you make different choices. Like, it's never a, a personal thing, and you and it's basically practice. Yeah, John's on beta blockers right now. That's why yeah. he talks that way. But the uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so so back to Cleveland. So you so you're doing the commercial stuff. So I'm at doing what, it. How point quickly? Was, at what point was the success? With like, like we all have that thing. Like I I moved out initially. Uh, well, multiple reasons I got divorced, and I also was doing stand-up comedy, and I, I kind of was like, okay, well, this is as good as it's ever going to get here. And uh, so I'm, I want in Milwaukee. Wanna, he means, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't knocking Milwaukee. It was just like, okay, now what? Like, I want more. I'm going there. Like, so what was your, you know, my? Obviously, we know that you had the struggle with the, with the, with the, with the, the mom of your child, the child, and the family, and all that stuff. What was the moment where you were like, yeah, I need, I do, I definitely, ha- I have to go now because blank. Well, I should back up and say I had L.A. on my brain forever. Sure. Like, I wanted to go. Um, when I, my parents, well, that's another story, but I came out here when I was like 17. Uh, my mom took uh, all of us kids. I have a brother and sister 11 months younger than me. Um, oh wow! It's another story. It's crazy. Are they twins? Yes, they are. Okay, I'm like, how are they both 11 months? Yeah, yeah I should have. I should have said they're twins. No, yeah. no, you um, really need to. It's amazing them. how many well, people yeah, will ask prob- me. You I probably was, didn't, but I was like, I, wait, how are two kids? It, it's amazing how many people will ask me. I'll say, yeah, I have a brother and sister. They're twins. They're 11 months younger than me. Like, oh wow, that's crazy. They're like, they're twins, really? Are they? Like, are they identical? I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally look alike. It's hard to tell them apart. And they're like, really? I go, you want to see a picture? And I'm, I'll show them a picture, and I'll be like, well, wait, what? I'll be like. Oh, so one's a guy and one's a girl. Like, <laughs> one has a penis and one has other stuff. You know what I mean? Like other it, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say vagina. That's right. <laughs> no, he just that's did. Fair. That's yeah. fair. So just weird. Did. But that's yeah, like, so like you the have... kid earlier going. I didn't mean to say shit. Well, yeah. you said it again. Yeah. So, so I twin. Know, I'll say any other word. Twin know. brother and sister, but within a year. I mean, that's yeah. That wasn't a planned thing for my parents. I can't imagine it would it, be. It was. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a whole. It's. it's I know a, how it's that like works. part two of the podcast. I know how that. Yeah. Works. So like it's uh, sometimes the body is like oops. Yep. I didn't think it worked that fast. Body says we were ready to go. Just you know, some bodies repair themselves a lot quicker than others. Yeah. So continue. That, so that happened to my parents. Anyway, so my mom, we all came out here. It was a big family uh, vacation, and um, she took me to, like, a modeling and talent agency somewhere, like, I think it was in San Diego or something, right? And she's like, yeah, you just check this out. I, th- I think, actually, it was right before I was going to maybe go to college. And uh, I had a partial scholarship for swimming and water polo. And oh, it was nice. Be in water polo, Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. a tough sport to play. Yeah, it is. It's pretty tough. And it's yeah. great for staying in shape, though. Oh, It's not well, too yeah, hard I mean, on the bones, either. It's it's insane. Wow. Um so anyway, she takes me to this little talent agency in like San Diego of all places. And uh I go 
and they had me read a script for like a Snickers commercial. And I, you know, I, I knock it Wait, this is on a vacation? This is like, uh, no, because you know what? I should back up. She came out, she was living here. She decided she was going to move here. Oh, okay. My oh, parents had split up. Oh, okay. oh, There's so it. much in my life. Yeah, my yeah. parents basically divorced when I was 13, 14, and remarried each other when they were 20. Okay, got 20. it. Okay. okay. My mom moved out to California for a short period of time. Okay. She did take us on a vacation. It, now I'm remembering it correctly. She did take me to the talent agency when she had already lived out here, and I was just about to go to college. Got She's it. She's like, well, you should just give Check it a look. Check it out. You know what I mean? And and I wasn't even thinking. I was kind of like, I was always like, I should be a star. Because uh, <laughs> I was like cool in high school. You know, I'm that guy. I yeah. really did peak in high school. Um, no, I don't know about that. No, but, I did. No, I did. But um, I bet you were cool. <laughs> really cool, dude. I had the best mullet. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. when, I, when I'm having bad days, I just go back to my happy place. Senior year of high school. Boom. Yeah. Friday, Sweet walking locks, in the halls, high-fiving my buddy. Wearing your football jersey. Where's my T-top? I got to do some driving. <laughs> We've lost Those him. Those were the days. We've anyways, lost him. Uh, so you're, sorry, in Sandy, I got you're in San Diego. Your I'm in San Diego. Saying, I'm in a okay. talent agency. I do the thing, and they're like, oh, yeah, you'd be great, blah, blah, blah. Now, they probably told everybody that. I don't know. A little bit of like, yeah. And they're like, you can make money in commercials. And they started telling me, like, oh, you can make all this money. And I remember thinking, like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, money. people get paid? And uh, and then, uh, so I was in the back of my head, like, wow, that seems like a, a really good way to make money. Like, work a day and get a couple, like, grand or something like that, yeah. or, or a few hundred bucks for this. And I was like, God, that sounds a lot better than being a swim, swim and water polo coach. And I remember thinking, like, well, I got I to gotta go back and go to school. So I went to school, college, in a small school in, in Pennsylvania called Slippery Rock University. Um, and I, 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 I played my sports. I did terrible. I basically failed out. Um, I was a bit of a, a, a wild child. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Uh, partier. A big part of college is just learning how to live life, man. And I lived, the books. I lived my best and worst <laughs> life there. It was a tale, a tale of two semesters. The Rob O'Malley story. A, t- a tale of two semesters. Yeah. I was like that guy. It was like, the best of times, yeah. and you're expelled. Hey, coach, my food card's not working anymore because yeah, yeah. you're gone, son. Yeah. You're on something. <laughs> Oh man! Um, so were you so only that there for didn't two work semesters? out. So okay. then I was like, in the back of my head, I was always like, man, I should, I should go be a star. And so, but I'm living back in Ohio. I'm not going to school, and uh, I moved down to uh, Florida, uh, which is where anyone from Ohio would go. Obviously, I was going to say was this always, is a natural progression. Yeah, yeah actually, always it is. Spring break, <laughs> and so I was like, I'll get into like modeling and acting down there. Did you um, know somebody down there? I'm assuming, well, I, why would anybody just randomly go to Florida? I really liked Florida because I'd go to spring break down there. I was really good you at You thought that break. was how the whole world was down yeah, there was all like, the time? And one of my buddies, Hayes, Hayes Barnard, his mother and him were going to move down to Florida. She was going to, she was going to, uh, she got a horse farm down there in Ocala, Florida. And then we were going to stay there for two months, help mend fences. Um, I'm the worst hired hand at I can't mend. I can't mend anything. Ask my wife Allison; she'll tell Mending you I can't. She fences. calls my friends behind my back. I'll be like, "Oh, what's Al doing here?" She'll be like, "He's hanging up the shelf." <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, "I knew you'd mess it up." And I, even that, if I would try it. So, anyways, we were going to move down to Fort Lauderdale, where he was going to go to the Art Institute, and I was like, "I'll get into like stuff like that." Well, all I got into was trouble, nightclubs, <laughs> you know, fucking partying, Magic Mike, drugs, baby. alcohol. Like, yeah. I eventually moved down to South Beach. Um, I don't think really, I ever you went really to one audition. That, you you know? were really living that. Oh, I was living South, in the club South, scene. South Florida, this yeah. is like mid-90s. South Beach was like 
Studio Fit. I mean, it was like yeah, the Wild dude. West. I mean, like it was crazy. Literally, almost all of the cocaine that was in America came through right there. Right, and was in every bathroom. So yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. You go into stalls, and it would just be like multiple people. No one cared. It seemed at the time. I saw Cocaine Cowboys one and two documentaries. So I'm very so familiar. yeah. <laughs> I was living down there doing nothing. Um, moved back to Ohio in shame. Uh, a tale of two cities in <laughs> South Florida, <laughs> and uh, and immediately um, part of my life story. I got uh, I got clean and sober in Ohio. A- in oh, Ohio, because okay, I had trouble after right? that. Yeah, yeah. I got and in you a little reali- trouble. So you realized everything that had been going on in Florida, everything that led to all that shit. I got some help from the local lo- law enforcement okay. authorities and judges and everything like that. But uh-huh. I I decided I was going to get my my stuff together, get clean and sober, and then I was like, I'm moving to L.A. I got shit to do. You know what I mean? Smart, dude. I can't tell you how smart that is. You came out here clean and sober? Oh, I did. I did. But needless to say, in getting clean and sober within like a couple months, I was going to have a kid. It wasn't yeah. like a set of plan thing. Right. It turned out to be the best thing ever. Um, but so we were trying to make it work. Um, because now I'm, I'm kind of telling you about you guys sucker me into telling me my life story. That's here. all right. It's good. It's good. Sucker yeah. you. No, you didn't sucker me. And I, I love talking about myself. <laughs> no, no, I could do it all day. First of all, we don't. Um, I don't know that we've had anyone this. who is a local, <laughs> a local commercial actor. Who, well, no, this is how this is how I get there. So yeah. I get there and I'm like, okay, so now I'm clean and sober. I was working as a bartender and I was like, I can't do that because I can't be around that right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's like going to be trouble. So like, I really wanted to get into acting, but I'm in Port Clinton, Ohio, the walleye capital world. There's nothing like that. So I answer an ad in the paper. Local theater, yeah. To, for looking for a pers- a radio personality to broadcast live for three hours a day at at these party islands because we're um, there's these islands off uh, Port Clinton. It's on Lake Erie, and uh, there's these islands where people go and party. Putin Bay, Ohio. If anyone's out there and has ever been to Putin Bay, you know what I'm talking about. But literally, it's like in the summer. Boats go out there, ferries go out there. People, it's, it's you will a party. see you will see things that you should never see. You'll see yeah. like a twenty-three year old dude making out with a seventy-three year old woman. Oh wow! You'll, you'll see. Just, I should never just, see that. You're right. You'll see crazy. It's insane, and yeah. it's been around for years. And so, which was so they needed someone to broadcast live from there for this radio station. Play their music, have a couple contests, and they're like. So I I, answer, I call the ad, and they're like, okay, we'll give you an interview. And it's a young guy. At the time, he was young. He seemed old to me because he was like 32. Oh, Gramps. Like, wow, yeah, I met him. He was old, dude. Um, but he's like, I'm, he's like, well, what's your experience? I'm like, well, I was a lifeguard, uh, and then I worked in uh, – clubs and you know so there was a bar back and then it was a bartender and he's like so you have no radio experience i go no but i was like i'm really talkative and and i was a club promoter in south beach and we would do all these things so long story short he gives me a sh- he gives me a shot good for we him go out to this 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 island and he's like all right i'm gonna take you out there and then we'll have you on the air and we'll see how you do so i i get on the air and it's like you're good okay cool you got the job three hours a uh, three hours every on a saturday i'm like all right i can't believe because i had, i had no idea how to work the equipment that's crazy like did nothing they, did they teach you how to you had to figure all that oh, out oh dude they would try to but like you know so. send an assistant with <laughs> yeah, him yeah, because no, no. he's going to so a lot of broadcast hello am i on yes yeah. yeah, this thing Mike? hello smashing the mic but it was kind of cool like in other words like so i'm going out these party islands i'm trying i'm trying to stay clean and sober and there's you know 
partying everywhere, but yeah. like I have a mission now. And it was like I took it really seriously and I did pretty good at it. And they'd be like, it's time to check in with Rob at the Beer Barrel Saloon. What's going on, Rob? And I'd be like, hey, we're out here at the Beer Barrel Saloon, the world's largest bar in the world. And we're here. It's like the longest bar in the world. That was with the tag. The longest bar in the world. I'm here with the band. It's uh, the John and Brian duo. You know, you may have known them from some of their uh, debuts in Sandusky, Ohio, and Vermilion. <laughs> well, they're going to be playing tonight. Hey, John, tell us about what you guys got going on. And I would interview these bands. I had no idea how to interview anybody. But I just learned it. Yeah. Well, like you I said, like you were already 20s. talkative. You were clearly like, yeah. I just I was a bullshitter. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, it was like, and it, so I would do it for like a couple minutes, and they'd be like, yeah. So come on out. We start at six thirty, and I'd be like, yeah. And they got two for one specials for blah 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 blah. And I hit the specials, you know, and and I'd be like, all right, back to you guys. We're out here until like such and such time. And we're gonna. And then when I was off the air, I'd play, and it was an oldie station. Here's the other funny thing. The best of the 50s, the 60s, and the <laughs> 70s. Gold 101, number one on the North Coast. Um, Love yeah, it. that was the tagline. Um, <laughs> and so here I was, like, 22, you know, very young. And I, at the time, I had really super long hair, and... Uh, and people would always come up to me and be like, hey, I bet you don't know who played uh, this back in the 50s. And I'd be like, no, I don't know, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I don't know much about music still, like, but like, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Like the 50s, 60s, and the 70s. I knew some of the 70s because that was some of the better music, but like, <laughs> I had no idea. And, um, but I would be out there, and I would play their music, and I would do like hula hoop contests. Eventually, it graduated to like wet T-shirt contests, of course, which were fun for an oldie station, which is hilarious. And, yeah, yeah, right. Well, we wouldn't kind of advertise that, but like things, no, but things still, got carried that's away there. there. Like yeah. it wasn't like I had come to the wet T-shirt, but so like was this was this island like the Vegas of Cleveland? Like what happens on the island stays on the island. Is that oh yeah? That why these, people get these out islands? Of- I mean, you could look it up. Putin Bay, uh, Putin Bay Island, um, and then there's Kelly's Island, which is the the low key one. It's next to it, and it's still crazy. But like you will see, it's they're historic. I mean, like. Like that my my dad used to go there and party and stuff like that. Like yeah. it, it, it's like generations of families. And it, it is like Vegas in a sense. Like there is a lot. Like oh, I don't want to say anything bad about Putin Bay. No, but it's there's fine. a I lot of insanity there, and especially at this time and era, there was. Uh, now yeah. they do the beads and the flashing, and yeah, you know, it's, it's like it, New Orleans can, meets uh, Vegas. Yeah, on and a it's lake. like and people with boats, they tie them up, and it's like it's uh, a little Lake Havasu ish too. It it's yes. very yes. yes, yes, Lake Havasu, yes. Uh, that's it. I've never it's been Havasu. to Lake Havasu. That's, that's no, but we've all seen the pictures. But that's <laughs> it's, it's like it's very Havasu, probably not as pretty. Like you know what I mean? Like it well, is. You know what I mean? But yes, I would just say probably more flat. Like Havasu's got mountains around I, yes. it. I'm, this is gonna. Of course, this is what I'm gonna say about the, all of it. it. It just sounds like the water gets really dirty. <laughs> I just. Oh, Grandpa. Uh, yeah. Guys, well, stay out of the water. It's filthy. No well, one's wearing bathing some suits. I just said around the islands because there's I a see. lot of boat traffic and everything. But you know, Lake Erie's made a lot of uh, uh, changes in the last oh. few decades, and so things are very clean and oh, it's, it's a very yeah. wonderful place to visit. If you're ever around, please. Are you visit doing a commercial Lake for Erie Ohio? And right? the Lake Erie this Islands. is one of this is one of his <laughs> this is a local spot. Yeah, right, so in the walleye so capital world. So you're doing all this. Crazy so I'm doing stuff. this right. So I'm there and I'm doing a good job. So then I I kind of. I get hired to be at the next, like the 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 bar two places down, because they're just this big row of bars, right? So then my my boss is like, "Oh, dude, you're good at this. So let's do this thing. It's called, you know, you know, the Rock and Roll Party Patrol. And like, let's check in with Rob at the Rock and Roll Party Patrol. And I would be Tuesdays at the Roundhouse, and I would do like, and it would be sponsored by Coors Light. Um, 
Coors Light's got a big, you know, part of my life. Um, <laughs> so Coors Light, we'd be there. We'd do the Coors Light remote, and I, you know, I'd have some guys there and uh, interview some people. And they'd, come on out, we're gonna be playing music and we're doing contests. We're gonna be giving away tickets and t-shirts. Amazing what people will do for a t-shirt. Yeah, it's no, insane. Yeah. What it's they'll do for any little trinket like oh, keychains. Yeah. It's sad. Ah, it is lose their fucking they minds. Should, they should study that. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I started doing that, and then that parlayed into a DJ service. Um, so I could, you know, hey, how would you like to have Rob at your prom or your oh, wedding? Oh, wow. So you became sort of a, a, like, everyone was like, yeah, Rob, the guy from the radio. Kind of. I mean, if everyone's it, like. It's pretty, you know, because I used to work in radio around the same time. The, the, the money's pretty good. It's not bad. It or were was, you not getting paid that I much? I was not, I wasn't working full time. So you weren't so getting paid like an on-air jock. At so the time, you this didn't was, get talent pay. Okay. Okay. I was getting, yeah, I was. So what was happening is this was a satellite. This was one of the first satellite like deal. It wasn't one of the first, but it was it was new. The jocks were all in Dallas, oh. and so you it gold one hundred and one might be you know fifty sixty seventies you know channel you know whatever ninety six right. in Wisconsin. Right, yeah. you know what I mean. And to be the same jocks, and then they would bust in with the local on air talent. You. Right, right. So, so it was the like guys every would, place had their own. Like you right. were the guy in Ohio, then there was a guy in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wherever. it was all over. Yeah. And so, uh, but it, it was a big, big stations, and people love the fifties, sixties, seventies. We played Jimmy okay. Buffett, all that stuff, and uh, and um, so it parlayed um, into other things. DJ service. Then I started doing um, voiceovers. So I would be the guy, like you know, come on down to you know here, this, that, and the other thing. Is yeah. it, was that kind of where you started? Like that sounds like that's the natural transition. Was then commercial work? Is that like well, what yeah. That so that kind of I started. I, I was like always thinking like, okay, radio. I'm not into this. I'm doing it because it's cool. Because it's a way for me to. I, I was into it. I, I shouldn't say that. I like radio. You enjoyed I for what you were doing. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed being. You were looking to make it a full time. I was looking to brand. Style. I was always looking like I'm getting. I'm moving on. I'm moving on out. I'm moving on out. I'm doing. You know. I'm going to the next thing. You and were in your twenties. That's how you're yeah. supposed to think about yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. I got. I started. Got into local commercials. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember I did like you know fitness. Uh, Wilson's Fitness Center. Uh, Wilson's Fitness and Tanning. Um, and uh, like, and the McDonald's commercial and the Channel Three thing and a couple other things and so, you know, like at the time I was like kind of like a little bit of a local celebrity in a sense. I didn't even grow up in this this town that I was doing all the radio stuff. The, the town I grew up in was like fifty miles away. Um, so like here, you know, you could I, I'd be on the radio. You'd hear my commercials on the radio. You might see them on the local TV. The very you know like the very grainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, VHS uh, commercials. and um, But I was still like, I want to go to L.A. where you can make some real money in commercials, not just nothing. Uh, so you, you, know. weren't, you weren't like, I want to be a movie TV guy. You're no, like, I did. No, I did. Oh, so no, no. Okay. Yeah, so that that's part of the story. So I was like, that was what was going to pay the bills. So like, then I really got into, um, I did stand-up comedy for a while. Okay. How long and did you do that Cleveland. for? Like, Maybe a year. So while I was on the air and while I was doing all this stuff, I was like, okay, stand-up's another way for maybe me to be discovered or maybe for, for me to do anything other than I didn't want to do like a play or a musical because it was just like local theater. And like I was like, and I was really into like, this is also right around the time of like 
the independent film revolution of the mid '90s with like Reservoir Dogs yes, and like yes, yeah. and I was like, wow, okay. So people can make their own movies, and those Tarantino movies can be inspired me like ass. really big time. I was Kevin like, Smith was making the comedies, yes, the independent yes, comedy. clerks yeah. and oh, all clerks. that stuff. So I was really into it. And this is like before the internet. I mean, the internet yeah. might have in, it existed, but it didn't exist in my world. And like you'd have to get like a magazine and you'd read articles. And so I was like, wow, so these guys are just making their own movie and they don't have to be like Harvard graduates. And I was like, yeah, maybe I could be a writer because I could always tell stories, you know what I mean? And like I had some some interesting shit happen to me throughout my life, you know, as a as a former juvenile delinquent, you know, rebel, uh, you know, insane guy down in South Florida. I was like, you know, okay, maybe I could, you know, do this. Um, Writing so, is yeah, a I bitch. Wanted to, I, I wanted to be a, a filmmaker, actor, writer, director. I was going to come out here and, and accept my Academy Awards pretty fast. Well, let me go get it. Hold on. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If if you're sorry. We've been holding it. it. I was we'll, wondering. We'll, we'll yeah, mail yes. it to you after the show. It looks more like Please. a Godzilla toy, but yeah. just for, you know. <laughs> I would really appreciate it. So, yeah. So, I was I wanted to get into the whole thing. And so, commercials, local, all that stuff was like, okay, this is how I'll make money. I was studying this, this, that, and the other thing. And um, the radio thing was great. I had a voice. I had a voiceover cassette that I was going to come to LA with. That was your real headshots. Yeah, yeah. Black um, and white headshots. Oh, black. Of course, they were black. Yeah, yeah back then it's that, all like, black. That, like, that, get, like, I know. Uh, I'll never understand that, that. My brother took, and I think one His set was taken money. by my son's mother, uh, with like an old Kodak. Like you couldn't, you know, you couldn't see the thing right there. It was like old. Like yeah. it wasn't a professional camera. We didn't know anything about lighting. <laughs> you had to send away to New York. To get the prints back, Jesus to get the headshots. Dear with Big your name City. On oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dear, yeah, it was exactly right. Can I get my pictures back? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I I decided, like, hey, I want to go and, and give. I'd, oh, I, was, I wrote scripts. I'd written two scripts because once, nice. I, once I started, you know, I'm all over the place again. No, no, I didn't take my beta blockers or my Ritalin. No worries, um, dude. So. I was like, okay, I got all this stuff I want to do. I started. I did stand up comedy for a little bit, and it's, and I know you guys, you know, are, are comics. And um, I was like, maybe I maybe I like this, and I would constantly write a new act every time instead of like some of the guys I do open mics with. They always kind of like they would do the same thing, the same act. They would, yeah, yeah they would. They keep would do the same on five the minutes. Same jokes, they would yeah. change a couple things, but I would do the same thing. We'd go to Toledo Comedy Connections. I I was up at Hilarities. Nice. It's like at their nice. open mic or something. I forgot. There was one place in Michigan. So I was like hungry. I'm like I, even telling us, I'm like, wow, if I could just get off my couch now and like do yeah. something like, but like I would travel. I'd be like, oh, I got to go to an open mic night, you know, over here and, and do this. 60 and, miles um, away or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Columbus. I got to go to the Funny Bone. They're doing an open mic and I'm going to go there and do my thing. And, uh, and here's the thing. I didn't. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I realized being around enough comics, it's something you. It's a. If you don't love it, get out. Yeah. If and so I moved out. When I moved out here, I had like a, a comedy reel, like my five, my best five minutes. Yeah, of course. And uh, have my little cassette from Gold One Hundred One, and even had their little sticker on it. So I just want you, in case you didn't think I was Legit. professional. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from radio. I can put stickers. Number on Number one stuff. on the North Coast, by the way. Oh. Walleye capital of the world. Um, so. I moved out of here with all those things. Now um, that was, that sounds prepared, way more prepared than I was. No, when I came was out actually here. pretty damn prepared. Like yeah. when I look back at it now, you, what you can't be prepared for is rejection. The, the rejection. The immediate <laughs> the rejection. Reje the, the, or the, the false the false leads that make you believe. That's the worst ones. Is when you come out here, people will be like, you know, if there was a lot of people you're going to meet that are like, 
yeah, yeah. Oh, and you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And then they disappear, and you're like, what was the yeah? Remember yeah. we were yeah yesterday? What? Yeah. What happened to... Me and you were going to make some movies. Let's yeah. make those movies. Where'd you, Where'd you go, Where buddy? Are... Hello? Yeah, what Hello, happened rejection? Um, You're not going to tell anyone, right? Uh, Where, no, so no, did you know story. anybody when you came out here? I knew pretty much no one. I knew, like, two people, kind of. Um, so were you a save the money up? I'm going to get my own place. Yeah, I time? literally was that guy. I... I Packed up my car, had it all ready to go. I had written. What'd you two, drive out here in? Two, uh, uh, Ford um, Escort. Ford Escort. With no air conditioning. Oofta. No fucking air conditioning. How did that work out when you started getting into the mountains of uh, in Utah May? and the. Oh, oh my in God. May? In Death Valley? Death Valley. Like I should have died. Like I literally had my God. shirt off. Um, yeah. And at the time, I could rock the shirt off pretty yeah. good. So, it <laughs> so that um, was okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's just um, say I would have had my shirt off and I could never rock the shirt off. But, uh,. <laughs> But it wasn't even that. I, it was out of necessity, but it was the worst thing I could do driving through Death Valley because it's like 120. So I've got 120 degree air just blowing Ugh. on me. I'd have to stop at a rest area and be like, douse myself with water and shit like that. That probably um, looked amazing. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. You probably looked amazing. Yeah, yeah back in the day. Oh. But so you drive it out here. Uh, you got all your shit. I got all my shit. I'm ready. And I like, and I was prepared. Like, I was more prepared because I'd studied it. I'd been out here a couple times. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I had envelopes ready to go. I just needed to put a return address with headshots and resume stuffed with agents. Yeah. To be like, I'm here now. I just need to have, I have my address. And I, I also had a 1-800 number in Ohio. Whoa, really? That So, like, people could call me for castings and they wouldn't know where I was at. And so I could perpetrate like I was actually there, you know. What yeah. I mean? So I had that number. I was I was ready to go. Wow. What year was this? This was the summer, the the May of '99. Okay. May of '99. Don't God. ever move into a place on Memorial Day weekend back in the '90s when Ooh. you can't. There's no internet. <laughs> I sat in the dark for four days. <laughs> that sucked. I remember like I'm here in LA and I got like a flashlight from Kmart and I'm like. Oh, this kind of sucks. Where did you uh, hang your hat when you Burbank. got there? Okay. Burbank. I wanted to move in a place where I could have my kid out there and uh, and feel like comfortable. And it was like this really great. So you did day. some research. I did a lot of research, and I found this awesome place, a furnished apartment, one bedroom apartment for five hundred and seventy five dollars. Oh, god huge. damn! And it was uh, this wonderful elderly lady, Jackie. And she had the place, and she was so nice. And she used to tell me things like, "If you, if you, if this is gonna set you back, honey, you just wait a little bit before you pay rent." Oh, uh, like, people like that. Oh, Jackie, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna regret saying that. <laughs> yeah, guess um, what? Everything's oh, putting she, me back all the she time. She would invite me out to come over to her. She lived in a house up in, in Glendale, um, uh, and she would invite me over to have pancakes and stuff like that. Shirtless. Um, yeah, sometimes okay. that was part of the deal. Whatever. Um, yeah, uh, do what you gotta do. So yeah, I moved out here and I and I I was pretty prepared, but I wasn't prepared for not being like I thought, okay, you get an agent and then you go to auditions and anything you're right for, you get called for and you go for. So I was like, I'm going to be auditioning all the time. You know what I mean? I'll be in line with like Mark Wahlberg and Leonardo DiCaprio like, "Hey guys, here we are again," you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it was like, "Oh, so wait. Nobody gives a shit." And then I was like, and then the thing about that was like, I was like writing. I was like, oh, no one cares that you you wrote a script. Oh, that's cute. And you're from Ohio and you just drove out here. I'm like, that's right. I've got two of them. 
And they're like, awesome. Not really. You know, no one wanted to read anything I wrote. No one wanted to listen to my gold 101 voiceover reel. <laughs> um, they, they would look at my face for a second for like, you know, a, a crest, uh, you know, yeah. commercial. Yeah. You know? And uh, you got pretty straight. But even teeth. still, I didn't I didn't I wasn't prepared for like that. Like, oh, shit. <clears throat> like this is going to be harder than I thought. Yeah, I, I just thought once you got an agent, you just went to auditions all the time, and eventually, if you were good, you got picked. And that was the biggest bummer. Like, oh, man, they, won't, they don't even want to see me. Like, I'm not just in a big cattle. Like, you don't even get seen. You know what yeah. I mean? That was the hardest part. And you got to know people and, and, so and make what, those connections. So you seem like a bright fella. You, 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 you realize this. How long did it take you to be out here where you, one of two things? You're either going, what have I done, or... Like where where was the the bootstraps or where was the moment where something happened at least kind of you went okay, I'm at least making some headway here. Well, I came out with the idea that failure was not an option. Okay, so like you were I, not you weren't coming back. Oh, I would love if we could teleport back to that point. You could interview. I was so cocky and I was like, no, I'm going to make it. So how long <clears throat> did it take from the time that you got here to where you got something where you were like, okay, this is starting to at least for you, you were like, okay, I'm heading in the right direction. I felt. The first year or so, I started to book some like little things. Um, I wasn't SAG yet. I was SAG eligible for my McDonald's commercial, and nice. I booked a few non-union commercial things in like a really low-budget film. It was terrible, kind of right off the bat. Remember, like backstage West, you get the yeah. yep, you know, yeah. do stuff like that. And then I got my with my agents, I got um, I got a commercial. So you got an agent how soon after being fast, out? really fast, okay. like within. Days and, and so because I had that I had those yeah I, and it was this older guy Dale Garrick he's he's no longer with us um and he first thing he wanted me to get was body shots he was an older um you know gay man yeah and and uh and that was his thing he would make everyone get body shots and I didn't know but he recommended a photographer and the guy's like oh you're here from Dale huh let's get that shirt off like what's <laughs> up? and I thought oh it makes sense you know you gotta have a good body if you want to be a leading man so sure like that's my calling card I had this. <laughs> These ridiculous <laughs> fucking. I looked like shirtless 50s, photos. 50s. No, but I looked like a. I wish I had them. I had, they look. I looked like a fifties bodybuilder. You know, like it was full. It was head to toe, like shorter shorts, and I'm standing on a beach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was so. And you're stupid. like passing these off to Cassie. Like yeah. Hey, you I remember when Cassie directors like, no, no, we definitely don't need this. We're black and white. I was like. Turn around Damn. and look back at the camera. <laughs> what? I can honestly tell you, you no one will ever need these. Yeah, I remember you thinking can like, burn them. "Fuck, Dale, Dale's big, big, Dale's big client that he had. He had pictures of all the guys on the wall. I but bet it was he Grant did. Show from Melrose Place. Yeah, a shirtless shot of Grant Show. <laughs> yeah, I was shirtless. That's the most important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant Show's a man, dude. So, Melrose Place uh, was great. So I left Dale. Um, it was hard, <laughs> but I got, wanted to get another agent because he wasn't really getting me out. So I was like, I was getting hip to the whole thing. You know, I was talking to other people. Uh, I got a job bartending in Beverly Hills. And uh, so I talked to, uh, I got an agent. Um, and one of, and it was right before the commercial strike back then. Oh. And I booked. So this a, has been 2000, right? The commercial yeah, strike hit yeah, in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I booked a promo um, for Win Ben Stein's Money. Oh wow! You guys remember that? Yeah, mm -hmm. that was a great uh, show. That was Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, and wasn't Jim Kimmel in that one? Was Jimmy? Wasn't he the sidekick? That was the man show. No, 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 no. no. He, my, uh, Kimmel was. I, I'm almost for sure he was he, the go-to guy over in the corner. That Ben could have been. I don't remember. Keep talking. I'm going to Google it while you're talking. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, Google it while. You, yeah, let's let's get on to Googles. Right. Um, so I get that. 
uh, when Ben signs money. And I didn't know that there was a different rate for promos as opposed to national commercials. I just heard it was national commercial. But at the time, there's no residuals on a promo. Ah, it was one a day just, pay. Yeah, it was a day rate and a, even a lower pay rate. But it was still like my agents were like, cool. Yeah, hey, you booked it right. It was one of my first like auditions with them. They're like, you're really hitting it. You know, and so I was like, yeah, OK, that wasn't a lot of money. But a lot of people saw it because it aired on Comedy Central like all the time. All the time, yeah. And uh, I was like, OK, cool. And so I was getting a lot of like positive feedback. And I was like, I just got to hustle. So then mem- I would get the breakdowns. Faxed to me. Wow. Who faxed you those? Well, like, I, he you know, can't tell black, you that. Yeah, top secret say, information. That's I cannot give out. Yeah, I wouldn't. But Jeff yeah, okay. Interesting. No, um, <laughs> um, dude, I those never heard I never met the dude. It was all cloak and dagger. Like, you would think we were doing, like, you know, yeah. some serious... Well, I don't uh, think it was legal for you to be getting them. No, it certainly, <laughs> certainly wasn't. But well, I would get... Not I, legal. I mean, legal in the sense of... I mean, not like we're breaking... Yeah, I would get him faxed to me every damn morning. First off, for those of you listening, a fax, a fax machine. machine. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was a. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's amazing. So you would then what? I would look at them in the morning. You would kind of give. It's a great guide oh, for you to know what. And I was like, okay, so I'm right for this. I'm right for yeah, this. I'm right for this. Go. I'm right for this. Um, I know my agents like this other dude, Kevin, in front of me theatrically. Like they just had it in their head that you know. Kevin was the man. Yeah, so he would go out all the time because I knew him. And, I, and he's like, oh, dude, I can't. And he, you know, I was like, are you serious? I haven't been on a theatrical audition in like, you know, three weeks. And he'd be like, oh, dude, I keep going. It sucks, man. Cause I like had a, you know, I was supposed to go motorcycling with my friends. And I was like, oh, youth. And Kevin exactly, right? Kevin Costner. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so I would drive around. This is pre 9 11. I would put my little headshot. I pretend to be a courier. In this pre nine eleven, you could walk on to Warner Brothers anywhere. Yeah, you could just walk on if you know what you. If, if you look if you like look you know like what you you're doing. Purpose. Oh, dude, I'd put on sunglasses, act like I was talking to my cell phone. I'd wave the guy back. Like, hey, Jeff. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd be like, "All right, hey, how are you doing, man?" Yeah. I'd walk right in, find where I gotta go, drop off my headshot, and I start getting auditions that way. Wow. However, it was very time consuming, and a lot of gas and a lot of traffic. Um, but I was hungry, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, I was like, this is what I got to do. Um, and then, uh, then finally I got a computer, like an old shitty computer. And they're like, we're going to do this thing called PDFs where they just go right to your email. You know, you got to have a certain amount of like space on your computer. Do you have like five megabytes yeah. worth of space? Like crazy. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I think it's only old two megabytes, <laughs> you know, but it was like, I got the specs right. And, uh, so I was able to get the breakdowns via email, which that's you, you awesome. Know, you, you, you You'd click download, then you have to go get some coffee and you, stuff. Yeah, and come like, back 30 minutes later. <laughs> 30? Like, How about a day and a half later? Halfway through, and you're like, okay, at least I can read page one. Yeah, um, and so that was uh, part of my battle. So I didn't realize how hard it would be to even score the audition and how no one gave a shit what I had to write or uh, or anything like that. Nope. Yeah, they, and so I was... It's, a, it's such a catch-22. Like, you have to do something before someone gives you a chance to do something. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's it, bizarre. That was tough, but I, I always got... I would always just get enough crumbs. Like, it was always, like, enough. Like, I'm here for the right reason. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Keep I you hanging to, on. I would book a little something, and I'd be like, okay, this isn't the big thing. Nope, but like I got a trailer, is, and I look pretty good yeah, on camera, and, and now, that was a lot of fun. Now I'm in SAG, and now I'm going to get, like, health insurance, and now I got, you know, this... 
Now I got some national commercials or something like that. And like, this is cool. This is cool. Now my friends back home have seen me on TV a couple times. You know, yeah. people are like, that's the Putin Island guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that the, the voice of Putin, uh, Bay. <laughs> Putin Bay guy? Yeah. 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 That's the Channel 3. So Howie Sally and Montel guy. His voice sounds different when he was singing. Yeah. What, one of the scripts that you came out with, was that was it Pit Stop? No. Pit Stop was something else that you Pit wrote. Pit Stop is, is an evolution of, yeah. I'd written two right. features. Um, one of them was uh, about my experiences in South Beach in the mid-'90s. So oh. Some insanity. I wrote what you know, right? What yeah, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and that sounds like a pretty Im- and impressive... And I don't know much. <laughs> I don't know much. But I know how to love you. That... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why they had to use somebody else's uh, voice. All right, so uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So the other one, the other one I wrote was about. Uh, the, you know what? They were still good. The other one I wrote was about uh, like a school shooting, um, and it was about a bunch of uh, Midwest kids uh, acting like they were gangbangers. You know, with the pants down, and everything. Midwest mm-hmm. Midwest white kids. And at the time, you know, it was. Poignant. Yep. Um, yeah. And how no one would take them. It was called wannabe, and no one would take them seriously. And so the way they got to take seriously is one of them did a school shooting. Whoa. Because like the town's folks were like, they're just wannabes. You know, they're not real. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was like they were not taking them seriously. So they, they were kind of like, they're clowny. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they wanted to prove they were hard. And they and so one kid wanted to buy at the end. And, and it was like, that went nowhere. Um, and uh, neither one of them did because no one, I no one really got to read them. No, you know but, I mean? the, but, but, but. You know, I don't think anybody reads anybody's first script. You know, it's no, not, no, it's no, not no. even and about the, that. You know what? You know what's funny? I, so I, I um, uh, Joe Alves was one of my first bosses I ever had out here. Joe was the production designer on Jaws and uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And one of the things that he said to me, you know, he had a long, long career way before I met him. And, and you know, he, even though he wasn't in that part of the business, what he said to me, I always, I never forgot. Where he goes, you know, the the best scripts are not the ones that usually get made. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Because, you know, you just have this thing, you just assume all the best scripts eventually get made. And he's like, that's mm. not how it works. There's a lot of other factors that come into play and a lot of stuff that has to fall into place. And you just, like, once he said that, it was just, it was grounding. It was really grounding to well, understand that, okay, it's, it's, that's not... It's depressing. And, like, if you're a writer, but, like, you're but like... at least you know what you're up against, though. Yeah, if, you, oh, yeah. if you can accept the truth that's being placed in front of you... You have a choice to make. You made a choice. I'm not leaving. No, that, I, that I was, know what I was, I was like, told, but I'm not leaving. No, I, I couldn't because I was like, what else am I going to do? And I started to have enough little successes to where I was like, oh, I got a national commercial. I just made a, you know, thousands of bucks. I can pay my rent for a couple weeks, like, a couple months. Whoa, I'm not moving back to Ohio to get a factory job anytime soon. Right. Or to ask Gold 101 if I can get back in there. Right. Um, even though they... Yeah, Gold 101 got sold, and it was oh. now Mix 1027. And You're uh, never going to live it up. I worked with them for a while. But anyways, um, and they were cool. I love you guys. Mix 1027. Yes, no they're big fans of the show. Definitely yeah. listening. I definitely. I know them they're listening. And, them and my old radio Randy station. and Paul. W-L-U-M. And, yeah. uh, um, so, yeah, I, I always had that, like, I have to make it here. Um, I have to, I have to uh, make it no matter what. So I was like, I'm going to focus more on acting, because at least people will look at my face for a second to be like, freeze, yeah. freeze, cops. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean like for cop number three, I think yeah. at least I'd be able to get in there a little bit. Whereas, and then I could maybe segue that into writing, and then things started to happen with digital video. So things uh, evo- equipment got easier to get. Yes, your hands you could on. actually because I was like, I can't make a film. 
I got a kid back in Ohio. I'm sending a child sort back. Any chance I get, I can fly back home to see him and stuff like that. I'm not making a film yeah. film. I can't go buy a camera. Yeah, I'm not going like to go buy film and, and get this process and, and all that stuff. Dollars. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, and I did know a little bit because I'd, I'd taken a couple little of these, um, these seminars, uh, Hollywood Film Institute. Um, and so I, I knew that, you know, it's, it's a process. It's not just something easy. But once digital video came around and then, like, the iMac came and you could actually, there was an iMovie and you could actually start editing stuff. I was like, okay, maybe I can do something. And I, I was a part, as an actor, I was a part of some of the projects, some projects, some friends put together. And I was like, okay, now maybe I can do this because I, I would be in maybe a project and I was like, oh, I don't think he did a good job. Like, or he messed it up or we, you know, we messed it up. I wouldn't right. say he or I would say we yeah. collectively didn't know what the F we were doing. Sure. And so that's how I kind of got into like, maybe I can do my own stuff now. This is like, early 2000s and that you know digital video is a game changer because now you could theoretically make a short film for cheaper way cheaper than you would have had to do the old school way 16 millimeters well and and it, that was also the infancy of the internet kind of ter- taking that turn where you could start you the the speeds were getting fast enough where you could start placing videos online i remember specifically in the early 2000s when i first moved out here was ifilm.com was a place that people was a landing place for a lot of people that if you wanted to make a film you had to pay back then it's not like what YouTube is now where you right 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 great with you know they they figured it out but early on you could pay to put your stuff on these sites and at least have somebody you could direct people to go see stuff so it wasn't just I made it. Now I got to go to Lightning Dubs and make 5,000 yeah. copies of it. <laughs> Lightning start, Dubs. Dude, every time start, that gets mentioned, I laugh. Yeah. And start. But that's how you did everything. Whether yes, you were a stand-up dude. or a filmmaker so or an actor's reel, dubs. you had to go there and you had to pay to get your you know, your, your cheap you know, VHS tapes. And, that, and that's how you handed stuff out to everybody yeah. to get noticed, right? Yeah, totally. I, st- I think I still have VHS tapes in my garage. My wife always Oh, so do I. Me. Like from Lightning Dubs, like I think I have the cases. I'm like sure. Just cases. Yes. Like, you know they would give you like untouched the black, the black yes. cases. Yeah. Untouched. I <laughs> yeah, have yeah, some. Yeah. I have some. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know if that's ever coming back. I'd really need to get into my it's garage. It's not coming back, but it's something you get to back. show your yeah. children someday, so they yeah. have an understanding. Yes. Like this is how we did it in the prehistoric days. Um, Every once in a while, I take out my old radio tapes and I put them in. I have. I got a, a little little cassette tape boombox and I try to play it for my kids. And they, I, I bring them in, and then I start playing myself on the radio, and then they just walk away. And I was yeah. like, all right, they could get two shits. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Not I for should, them. I should dig for that gold 101 cassette. I'm, yeah, you I should. I think it's somewhere. You should digitize it before I, I it should, actually tape. It will fail you I know, and, and I keep saying that to myself, and I and I, I need to get, I, I hope there's, because another thing is, I know I have on VHS tape somewhere in that garage, um, we share a garage with our landlady. We have a duplex, and she lives in the back, and she's really cool. But I have so much shit. She's always like, "You should really clean that out. You should really clean that out." And yeah, uh, I think I have a VHS copy of some of those old commercials, the Howie Sally. Oh, dude, get them off there! One. Like that, get I got to get dude. that out there. Cause that get thing was digitized. hilarious. Get yeah. them off there. So yeah, early two thousands was was a great time for like. Independent, like, well, not independent film, because I thought mid-90s was really awesome. Um, it, it, you're talking about, really what you're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, is, it, it's it's an empowerment move. So it's like, yeah. you go, oh, wait, I can be in charge of as right. a lot more than I used to be able to. Oh, shit, yeah. Because the, the, the invention of, like you're talking about, the iMac and iMovie, you became your own post-production house all Hell of a yeah. sudden. Something that didn't exist before. Yeah. And and you you start learning. I don't know how you were, but this is how I learned. 
It's like I came out and I wanted to make something. Well, I had to find somebody who had a camera. Then I had to find somebody who had to shoot it. Then I had to find somebody who was going to edit it for me. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. How much of this can I just be in control of? And it started getting cheaper yeah, and cheaper exactly. and cheaper. And if you were willing to learn, yeah, you could start taking control of stuff. So all of a sudden, your idea did sit there for five years. Your idea could sit there for five days or five months. But it shortened the time frame of like if you really wanted to get it done and you wanted to put the time in to learn that stuff, it, it wasn't yeah. as, as big and of an it, investment. And it was awesome because I hated the middleman and I didn't I didn't want to pay an editor to do a first cut and then or I look wait at it like forever. Yeah, wait forever. And so like and I'm I am so ADHD and I'm not a sharp guy, which which people out there listening, <laughs> you guys have already known that from like five <laughs> minutes in. But like I I can't look at directions. I can't be like, let me open up the pamphlet. Okay, index one. Let me just figure, you know, no, I have to just start playing with it. And, and iMovie at that time was pretty easy. And I had a friend that was like, I was like, okay, okay, show me how to make the cuts. Show me how to play some things. And you couldn't do much with it. It wasn't yeah. like you could get too tricky with audio or anything. Yeah. You could do some transitions where like, hey, check this out. Start so one. then I fade, and now it's John. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And so I was like, all right. So I played around. I did. I made some tiny little short stuff with like a, this this camera, like, you know, like nothing. Like with my kid, actually, just messing around with him, like a little Batman movie we made. We would make little movies. And then I w- that's how I learned iMovie. We would do little fun things when he'd come out and stay, like really, you know, kind of fun stuff. We made a Star Wars thing. It was really neat. Um, that's great. And so that's when I was like, just like you said, all right, so no one really, I don't have the big agents and managers to get in front of, like, to go audition for movies. Oh, so they want to name, I started to understand, like, oh, so they want name people in the lead parts. For you, everything. Yeah, for you everything. have to get in as cop number two or something like that. It was that, you know, it was like, okay, so it's a little harder than, that was a part that I never understood. So I was like, let, what can I create now? So I was like, I'm a writer, but like I haven't written anything in a while. So I wrote I wrote a short film, um, the thing I told you about on the run, yeah. about a father and son. And in order to escape capture, they keep changing. Uh, they're on the run. In order to escape capture, they keep changing into different disguises. And the dad tries to make it fun for the kid in the face of danger. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote it with the idea like it'll also show off my acting because I'll do all these different characters, which I did. Yeah. It. I. It was. Wow, filmmaking is tough. Yeah, <laughs> when you don't know what the hell you're doing, you yeah. have ADHD, and uh, and the one thing I did because I'd been in, involved in a couple projects that it kind of really just sucked, and and it was just because we didn't know what we were doing. And the one thing I knew is like I need a really good DP. I'm gonna direct it. I've never really directed anything, but if you have, but a I'm good gonna get a really good DP. Yeah. And at the time, there's this new camera came out. You guys probably remember it, the Panasonic. DVX 100A, yep. Yep. 24P. Yep. It looked like film, yo. The DVX. <laughs> it looked like film, and it was oh man, that was, was the crazy. last thing before HD. Was it that really was? Right and there. it was bad. Yeah. It was badass at the yeah. time. Lightweight, like and, small, yeah. compact. And I was like, was. I want to find a DP that can use this thing, but is also shot film. And uh, so I literally got like a, a, a real DP. This dude actually taught uh, cinematography. Phil Schwartz, Philip Schwartz. Great guy. Uh, if you ever need a DP, Phil Schwartz. Um, and he'd shot, he'd used it on another project, and he'd shot film. And like I said, he taught cinematography at USC as well. Wow. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, I'm going to get him, but like now i got to spend the money. Yep. So I didn't make a cheap short film my first time around. I could have made it a lot cheaper, but I didn't know. And back up before that, I was lucky enough to have some Coors Light commercials running. They'd split a couple of them up. Nice. From out here? Yes. Okay. 
So I was like, wow, this is awesome. Coors Light, again, Coors Light Helping remote. you out, baby. And this is early. This is before, you know, John talks about this a lot, so just correct me. This is before um, it got harder to make money off the commercials, right? So you were making, the, you were, was, the pay was a little bit better back then? It was a little bit better. Um, I made a lot of money for me, and uh, like I said, they split it a couple times, and so it would split into more and more and more. And, okay. uh, and so I had, here, I'm sitting on some money. And so I'm like, I'm going to do that. Th- I'm going to be, soon I'll be on Jay Leno telling this story. Yeah. That was the story of my life. Soon I'll be on, you know, David Letterman, Jay Talking Leno. Talking about how I spent my last dollar yeah. to make this amazing short film that everyone loves. That got into Sundance and the rest was history. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I hire Phil Schwartz. I pay him a lot of money because I was like, I'm going to pay him a lot of money because I'm not going to worry about the, the, the lighting or anything. And then he's like, get a good sound guy. So I like didn't get a great sound guy, but I got a person that said they were competent. I uh, had my I had a little cousin staying with me at the time. He's from Houston. He was he actually went to film school. He was helping Travis Kershaw. He was great. Uh, and then I got this girl um, who wanted to be in filmmaking. I, yeah, and how would you? I forget even how you did it. Miss Craigslist, I guess. Craigslist, Craigslist was used people. quite a bit back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. And I would get like I got this girl who wanted to be my first AD for free. <clears throat> wow. So she was helping out because I had. 16 different locations. It was a 16-page script. It was like literally almost like 16 different locations. Jesus, dude. A little kid who can't <laughs> even read. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I knew it was ambitious, but I was like, this is going to be crazy. We're going to make this work, everybody. Oh, we're going to make it. W- I mean, like, we Day were, two, he's like, I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, oh, really I would have. Let's go If home. it wasn't for Phil Schwartz, the DP, yeah. Yeah. I would have had a heart attack a and, and, and been... I he was just, your rock, basically. He was, because he would keep you like, it's okay, it's all right, Like, let's do this, you're going to want to... He would always say things like, oh my goodness, I should have had... Uh, John, oh, didn't yeah. you know any better? Um, I uh, I didn't know anything about editing. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, in film, like I'd never... So he'd be like, you're really going to want them leaving out the door? I'm like, are you sure? I don't know if we have time with that. He's like, yeah, you're probably going to want them walking out the door. So I'd listen to him half the time. He'd be like, yeah, you're really going to probably want to close up there. And I'd be like... Okay, nah, we don't need a close up, and then cut to like editing. And be like, You're like, fuck, I wish we had a close up. Coverage, yeah. like, coverage, man, coverage, we coverage, coverage. And I got coverage. a lot of coverage, but every once in a while, like, I wouldn't listen to him, and I'd be like, oh, I remember distinctly. Um, <laughs> and so, I um, we shoot it, get through it, um, and then I try to edit it on iMovie, and he's like, you really should get it professionally edited. I have some guys. You really should get it professionally edited. So I'm like, I'm going to do a pass. I do a pass. It's like almost 20 minutes long. And I, I know this is a long, short film. I, you know, you want to keep a short film short. Yeah. I, knew, I knew, but I was like, it's so damn good that people will stick with it. This yeah. is before our attention spans were really bad. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, before the internet and, completely um, destroyed us. And so I, uh, I realized, okay, I need to get some help. So I listened to him, and uh, I call this guy, and uh, he brings me to this guy editor, a good friend of mine now, Bob Joyce. Who directed and co-created Pit, Pit Stop, Stop that yeah. you and I were in? Yes, um, and so that's what we did. We sat there, and and he showed me how to edit because he's a, he's great at it. I mean, he's amazing. He's like you know he's edited like three Rob Reiner films. That's um, great. Yeah, and uh, he's just an amazing, talented, brilliant filmmaker. And uh, and he was young because I was talking to him on the phone. I thought he was like fifty because Phil was like in his fifties, and I met him, and he looked like he was twenty. He was wow. he was about my age, but like he looked so young. And, and he sat there, and he. Fixed it, made it look like he really pushed it along and did something. Actually, had me go out and shoot some reshoots. Like, get this, get this. If you can, if you can just get like the door shutting here, if you can do this. And I was like, actually, I think I can. So we did that. 
got it. Got into a couple film festivals. Um, had my kid out. I mean, it was kind of cool. Yeah, and, uh, that's it was great a neat situation. Had it, went to Lightning Dubs. Got it on VHS. Uh, actually got it online. A trailer online because you couldn't put the whole damn thing because it was too big. Yeah. Um, but and then I had you know some good footage from my demo reel. It it never it didn't get into Sundance. Uh, got right. into a couple different places, but I was like, I'm not gonna run around the country with this thing. I can't afford it. Yeah, that's expensive. So it's like man. I want to get a couple LA screenings. I got a couple LA screenings, and I was like, "Cool, I got that." And then nothing happened from it, and I was like, "Oh." But me and my kid had this wonderful thing. We yeah. got it. On, we got it on DVD. And, and yeah, and now you got a, a permanent it, record of it. It was yeah. cool, and uh, it was it was it was amazing. But that led us to because I know you want to talk about pit stop. Well, I'm, we don't. I'm, I mean, I'm, I just. We can get. We'll get to it. I mean, we'll we'll wrap it up. I soon. know. I'm, I just, I'm I'm literally I'm literally just talking here. And no, no, no. It's I still have a question for you. Please, so, Brian. Well, two two things. Um, one is you were talking. I'm assuming you're making reference when you're talking about like Cop Number Three and stuff like that. You, some your, some of your side work. You just got some extra some background work. Is that what you were talking about? Well, no. Like I would get like audition. Like I would like like again. I, I always joke around. I thought I was going to be auditioning for lead parts, and it would be like Cop Number Five. Yeah. Hey, we got you an audition. Cop Number Five. You know, it's freeze police, and of course I. Okay, come so in you're getting lines and stuff like that. Did you, yeah. did you do extra work like a lot of people do oh, when they came out? Oh here? yeah, no, I've, I've okay. done my share of extra work for sure. That and what was your what's and, and we'll just get we'll just cut to the chase. Like what did did you? Some people really find it the, the extra work just completely and utterly demeaning. They just can't stand it. And I do. I, I worked in, a, in 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 the production side of it, and I saw the way a lot of people were treated as extras and stuff like that. I'm just curious what your experience was. Doing the extra work and how how you viewed it, it can <clears throat> I coming from Ohio, never being on a set before, and then getting um, I was an extra in Deuce Bigelow. Okay, okay, <clears throat> which I thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm on set. Yeah, they're probably gonna bump me up because they're gonna see me. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> it's like, always good to have a little bit of delusion as long yeah. as it doesn't show too well, much. No, in your I had eyes. that. You know what I mean? And it was, but like, it was neat to see how it all works because. If you've never been on a set before, you can go to acting class all day. Yeah. But, like, until you see, like, uh, a big freaking 35-millimeter camera and lights all over and the place. And 50 people wandering right, all over the place. Right, And you're like, why are they putting this tape measure in this guy's face? You know what I mean? Like, like you, you can see it yeah. and see the process. And you can see different takes. And you can watch the process. So if you can learn from it. I think it's great. I think it's a great way. But on the same token, it was always like, well, if you're doing too much extra work, people will see you as an extra, and then they'll just see you. You won't be able to you know, get out of it to do things. So I, I definitely did my fair share of uh, extra work and uh, and tried to make the best out of it um, when I could uh, to see you know, the way the process was. I think it's up to you. Now, people do get treated like shit, I think, on the big, you know, calls and i think you know a lot of you know it's what you make of it. it it lends itself to you know not everybody's an actor and everything like that so i think um and some people are totally fine with it some people literally it's a side gig for them and they could care less they come with their book yeah. they're waiting to be told oh, what yeah, to do yeah, yeah. Well, they I, do it they're just tickled pink to be on a set and they move on with their lives i made a lot of money doing commercial extra work for years um because they pay you like three times as much as they pay it for like a film and tv extra wow and that that work just fizzled out for me over the years but i would get called for that i'd be like hell yeah it's like you know 300 some bucks yeah didn't we do a starbucks commercial civil war reenactment maybe yeah 
Were you like you were like a principal? I was I just said, yeah. I just had to stand there, and then you were like, yeah, we got to change clothes like five times. You guys like roll in the mud. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah, dude. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember being like, yeah, if you're making money, fuck it. You no, know? you'd make money, and that would go towards your insurance and your pension, right? And so, so you were like, sad, and you could always work, get yeah. bumped up. Yeah, there was always that possibility. Like yeah, that, sure. that was very real, and it happened to me a couple times, and it was like that was awesome. So I think like with extra work, when I what I tell people is like, learn how this business works. That's the smartest thing you can do you as a can't background not, actor. Like, if you get on set and you just read a book or just t- try to hit on chicks, um, not that I read too many books. Um, <laughs> no, um, if you just get there and you don't pay attention, then you're not going to learn anything. But if you can learn, then you're learning, like, oh, okay, that's what that means. And then so when you do get a job, hopefully, you have an idea of what the hell they mean when they say back to one. Yeah. Like, back to one. Right. I didn't see that in a script. What does that mean again? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, why do we have this guy? Or, or you know, just anything. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's a, a, a part of the process is like, every, you know, each to his own. Like, if you can get on set any way you can, I think, yeah. and just see how it, how, how it really works. It's such an eye opener to yeah, see the, the business. Yeah. The extra thing to me always was just, it's just an interesting dynamic because of the side of the business that I started on, which was production, just seeing. The interaction of it, and early on, it was like, yeah, I just really did feel like there was there was two groups of people that got shit on quite a bit in the in the film business when I first moved out here. It was the security guards and and extras seemed to be the lowest on the wow. the wrong and 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 I kind of like you know you when you're new and you're trying to learn it, you're watching everybody else behaves and how they, you know, they're like no, like they're the low, they're yeah, the totem yeah, pole, yeah. they're low. On, no, and you're like, yeah, no, and then you're like, wait a minute, what, what? Yeah, like, and then it, over time you go, well, you know what? Everybody in their own way is important to this process because you you realize going back to what you're talking about before, you want some of these sets. There's a hundred people that have to work in sync for a moment here. Yeah, to oh, get yeah. whatever it is you're getting on screen, even if it's someone just walking down a set of stairs. The amount of people that may be involved to, have, to yeah. make to, to make give that them the cue moment. to fucking get them to walk to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so much, and it's just like we you you learn very early. If you just work, just do it. Everybody, we're all here together. We're all trying to accomplish something. Yeah, some of us are kooky with coca puffs, but you know what? It yeah, could be but, anybody. It could be somebody in the art department. It could be the director. It could be the DP. Could be an extra. It could be the grip. It, every you know, everybody's got their issues. It's not just the extras. You know, right. so it's just like I. I you want I always now when I look back I, 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 I that's why whenever I ask did you ever do extra work like what was your take like what was your experience because I a part of me was always like it's not it's it's not it's it shouldn't be a stigma like you Ooh, saying it, it I, shouldn't I, it yeah, when you it, say it, I don't want to be known as an extra yeah it shouldn't that shouldn't be a stigma it shouldn't be a stigma and it is a stigma and it and you're right it shouldn't be because the flip it first of all. Anytime someone's gonna pay me any amount of money to pretend I'm a damn cowboy, yeah, I'm in in the background, <laughs> walking through and not digging a ditch, or you know, or or being a busboy somewhere. Not that that's any. No, I was but that's I was not bad what you at restaurant to do. But like anytime I can go back to my because the whole reason, like as a child, I liked make believe. I liked stories. I wanted. I never wanted to be just one thing. I wanted to be a cowboy for a couple days or a few weeks or a couple months. On a feature film, if you're out there, I'd be a great cowboy. I'd headshots, <laughs> Rob Dear Mr. Feature Film. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, so I think people should not feel bad about that. And it was told to me, like, hey, man, you're working. Yep. You're I working. Go. You're being a part of something. And, and I, was a, I was an extra on Spider-Man. Oh, wow. In 2000. We shot out in this huge uh, parking lot in, in, like, Carson or somewhere. 
no, it wasn't Carson. It was some place like Carson. It was a massive parking lot. And they they had all these different sets. They made it look like Times Square. Wow. Sam Raimi. Yeah. And there wow. was thousands of extras. This yeah. was before CGI, right? Yeah. And it was like the Green Goblins come in, and they all got to run. And I was a featured extra, so I, I had some status, guys. Okay, FaceTime, baby. I was called a. Uh, <clears throat> my title was sexy dancer. Hey. <laughs> there was gonna be some. There was gonna be like something going on where all of a sudden these dancers were gonna come out, like just kind of like dancing to music, like like hip. New York type people like, oh, there's a little street festival and we're just kind of dancing to the music, right? But they had us there two weeks and we never were going to get our dancing done. But I would just sit out there, thousands of extras, right? It was actually hilarious. Wow. Um, um, yeah, Toby McGuire was out there. He had a, th- this is a cool story. Toby would bring his, he'd have a basketball hoop right up next to his trailer and he would suddenly play basketball. And then all of a sudden, stunt guys, grips, people would like, because there was lots of time off because they'd have two different things going on. They have a stunt going on over here. So, all the crew. So we would play basketball games with Toby. That's he was awesome. kind of cool. Like, and you know, he was kind of he was kind of cool. We played twenty one with him. No one really, went, you know, when Toby wasn't around, you know, it was a bunch of stunt guys, extras, crew guys. We'd all be like elbows. You know, it yeah. was nasty. Toby was around. Everyone like, oh, Toby, good shot, buddy. No one like, <laughs> you know, he's like not a very tall guy. Like, yeah, he'd get, the, he'd get all the rebounds. And I remember one time I came up to block a shot, and I was like, I got this, and I was like. And I hit that ball, and it just went right towards his Mercedes, and bam, hit the wood. And I remember it was just like, oh, he looked at me. Everyone kind of looked at me. It was like, that's the story of my life right there. <laughs> then he had his assistant go move the Mercedes. <laughs> I was like, I'm really sorry. He's like, it's okay. And I think there maybe was a dent, and I was like, I can't even pay for that. But Is that the last <laughs> day on set for you? <laughs> no. Okay. Right, luckily, right. it wasn't, but uh, I never did get to do my sexy dancing because by because the time they that. got no, by the time they got to it, I was off messing around, probably playing basketball, so they just featured the other people. Yeah, it was a shit show. There was thousands. Yeah, Some of those people won you. a contest to be for, to do it for free, and they'd have them running around. But the thing I was going to say is Sam Raimi took his bullhorn and had everyone lined up, and he's like, he was like so appreciative. He's like, you guys are awesome. He's like, I want you to know we're making a movie. And he gave everyone this awesome pep talk, and Good, he's just a really great. interesting guy to begin with. And he was so cool with like everyone. But, like, with the extras in particular, he's like, you guys are everything. I want you to do this, and this is what we're going to do, because then the Green Goblin comes when we do this, and we do that. And, like, I saw, like, his leadership of, like, everyone was just like, this sucks. He's excited. You're excited. He needs you excited. Right. And so, like, he's got, he just got a thousand, thousands of people to, per- like, that's the Green Goblin over there. We're right. going to pretend There's he's your there. your eyeline. And run, and run your ass off. Now we're going to shoot fake dust at you. And shit like that. And he got all those people to do it because now they were like, we're making Spider-Man. Well, we're part yeah. of this. We're we part of Spider-Man. Part of this shit. Yeah. And it was like, we're making movies. And Sam and Raimi was... and Tommy McGuire right there, when the, that movie was, even if you were on set and you had no idea about Spider-Man, you're like, this is probably going to be a pretty decent movie. Like, oh, yeah. You knew it was going to be You knew it was going to be big. And, and yeah. getting to watch this, I remember thinking, too, because people were like, hey, man, you're athletic. You should be like a stunt guy. I was like, you know, maybe I should. You know, I, you know, yeah, you watch five like, minutes of that, and you're like, oh, I dude, think not. I watched some serious stunts on uh, Spider-Man, and I was like, oh, hell no. no. Like, the Those shit falling off beating. stuff or getting pulled with the ratchets and the wires, like, through shit. I was like, uh, no. I, You know, I was already like, no way. Yeah, like, I am not that. Stunt work tough. is crazy. I will. Pr- you can pr- tackle me. Like we can work. Sure, on you want to do I'll, some football? You, you punch me and I fake fall down. Like all right, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, yeah, I've done. You want to do like Lee that. Majors stunts in the Fall Guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm a stunt man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not like well, a evil Knievel. 
no, breaking dude, like, bones I'm not and going shit. On fire. I, yeah, and as the older I get, the bigger of a, a pussy I become. Like it's like that's how every, it works. Yeah, yeah. Every, that's we're all that way. Day, <laughs> I'm like, like that. Yeah. You could hurt yourself. Yeah. You know, I keep telling my 22 year old son who's like Joe athlete. I'm like, hey, dude, don't overdo it. He's yeah. like, Dad, you say that to me every day. It gets hey, a little tired. Well, yeah. you know, someday one day you're gonna bend down to pick something off the floor and go, ha, back. I overdid it. <laughs> Yoga and beta blockers. The uh, um, there you go, dude. Sorry, we got. See, I went. I, no, we no, went, no, 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 no. I wanted to. Uh, we 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 do have to wrap it up, but I wanted to talk about pit stop as real quick, if that's possible. Only, yeah, of course. Only because that's how I met you. We uh, I was fortunate enough to Jennifer Dumont, who was helping cast this movie, which was all I knew was an independent movie. She said it was a bunch of people she knew that were really funny, and that she sent me the script, and I read the script, and I was like, oh. This is really funny. It was a show about a NASCAR driver. It was. It had. It had so much in it that I loved. That I, I had a small part. You know what I mean. I was in one tiny scene, oh, but I was a like, great part. But it was so. It was so fun, and everyone there was so great. And I was like, oh man, this would be. This should be a movie. Like this it was a, a show. It's going to be a TV show. Yeah, it should be something people see. You know what I mean. This should be something people see. And then I Thank just you, remember man. it became. Thank you, dude. Is it yours? Yeah. Okay. Just uh, so, the, the, yes. so this was something you created. He, he created it with. So uh, yeah. So with Bob Joyce, who edited um, on the run the thing I did with my yeah. kid. Um, Bob and I became friends, and we would do little projects together or something. Or he was always he always had bigger projects and was doing filmmaking. He's such a talented filmmaker, and uh, we I did this sketch comedy character named Daryl Ray, and Daryl was a big hillbilly. Had a mullet, a mustache, ch- cut off shirt, t-shirts at yeah. all times. Uh, Daryl was a Donnie, and Daryl was on MySpace. And that was my MySpace profile, okay? Was it just as a stand-up routine you used to do, too? No, it was just, okay. I, I used to do, like, I used to audition for the sketch comedy stuff, you know what I mean? Okay. I never got, like, the big, you know, the, you know, Mad TV or anything right, like that. Right. But I was I was there. I was, yeah. you know, I was putting the characters together and all that stuff, and uh, just how I knew Jenna Frey. And um, so Daryl was this big hillbilly who was the president of the Lorenzo Lamas fan club. Um, had the number two cyber dojo in the Palmdale area. Um, cyber dojo. Yeah, yeah. And he would have pictures on his MySpace of Lorenzo Lamas and in him in camo with like a sword. And it was, it was, there was nothing on there. It said, this is a joke. Yeah. But it was totally a joke. And remember on MySpace, you could pick your top eight and top yeah. eight. First one was Lorenzo Lamas fan club. Second one was Dick Cheney. <laughs> and then it was all strippers. Okay. <laughs> so I made it legit. And so my friends knew about it. And so they would go bust my balls back and forth and I'd have fun. But then some real hillbillies would find me, right? And so then I got into, once you could kind of do video on MySpace, I would start doing um, these uh, political blogs. It would always start with Daryl and his cutoff doing curls with these weights. I'd be like, hey, Big D here. I want to talk to you today about gas prices. (laughs) You know it's the homocrats' fault. You all should watch Fox News and get the real deal information. (laughs) They want to raise your gas prices to fund gay marriage. Look it up. It's true. Fox News, and I would say shit like that, right? Just having fun. And rednecks would be like, yeah, right on, Daryl. You tell it like it is. And then real liberal folks would be like, hey, Daryl, you you're a piece of shit. You have no idea what you're talking about. You ignorant piece of territory. How would they even fund gay marriage? That doesn't even make sense. The Democrats don't even control the House of Congress right now. It's all control. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. I, and so it would be They'd go nuts. back and forth. And so um, I always had this character. And I remember me and Bob were talking one day, and uh, he was like, "Wouldn't it be cool, like, if if you got if we did like a, a NASCAR thing, but not all about, not about the driver so much as about the crew?" And so we we started putting together this uh, pilot, like if we wanted to sell like a sell a pilot. So we put together first there was 
I should back up. There was a MySpace contest that said, make a five-minute pilot. Could get picked up. It's all about the guys, and it's funny in Philadelphia. That, that's what they won. They won that. Well, no, they, I think they would already. Had they already won? They had already, they already had a show. Okay. But they were like, we did something like this. So we made a five-minute pilot based on that. Threw it together really fast. Cost us about five, six hundred bucks. Um, off, and Daryl Ray was like, you know, one of the crew. He was a jack man. And then the driver was going to be, it wasn't going to be so much about the driving. It was going to be the, the crew and their shenanigans and how, like, they're the worst crew on the circuit. And their deal is they have to get their driver to the race every week. And he's like a jackass enthusiast. Like, he's off doing stunts and stuff like this. Like, he doesn't give a shit. So it was like, that was the whole premise of yeah. it. So we did the MySpace thing. And, then, man, we were trying to cut it together on time. And then I screwed up the time to submit it. And we, long story short, my, we didn't win anything in MySpace. But the five-minute thing... Got a, some people saw it and they're like, this guy we knew was like, I'd really love to be a part of this. I think this is going to be great. Um, because the general idea was product placement because DVR and everything was just coming up. So we wrote also the whole thing NASCAR. about sponsors and yeah. NASCAR. You know what I mean? It was blue collar comedy. So he's like, I really want to be a part of this. I think, you, I think you guys can do something. So he's like, I'll give you guys some money. And he goes, and I'll be one of the producers. And I goes, he's, I can take it to some people. Um, and I was like, my buddy Bob was like, well, once we bring him on, you know, we got another person involved. So he gave us money. He bought in for like a couple thousand. He's like, so my buddy Bob and I was he's like, you know, worst case scenario, we just made our money back. Right. But we'll always be. So we did that. My buddy, the guy, the, the other producer um, tried to take it around. He didn't we didn't really get any too much interest, um, had some people and it, but did, he didn't have the big connections. Bob had another guy because Bob knows people who wanted to invest from Vegas. And he's like, I love this idea. I think we should make six episodes and sell it as a package. So we're uh -huh. like, okay. So he's like, here's some money to start writing six episodes. We're not going to turn, you're never going to turn down money, Fuck right? No. <laughs> uh, let that uh, be a lesson out there. And so, <laughs> from the words of John Huck, fuck no. Um, so we're writing episodes and then we. We all come to the conclusion that this guy, uh, the other producer, was like, look, maybe we should just do a pilot. He kind of wised up. We'll do a pilot, right? <clears throat> $50,000, I think it ended up being like seventy five, closer to $100,000 when it was all said and done, right? Yeah, And this always. is like 2008-ish HDs in. We're going to get a really good cameras. We got Phil Schwartz, DP, nice. from On the Run come in and do it because it was kind of cool. It's a little cool story. Yeah. You know, me yeah. Doing, yeah. And yeah. also yeah. With the my people kid. you work well with, keep yeah, them around. Yeah, Jennifer man. Dumont, who I auditioned for several times, who I was friends with, and I was like, we need to get a good casting director who knows comedic people. Because I wanted the whole thing was, now we had this uh, a pilot episode. We wanted to establish these characters, and we just wanted to make it like, uh, these guys are fucking misfits. And, uh, and they've got, it's just all about them behind the scenes in the garage, because we can't afford, no one's going to pay for NASCAR races. No, Ricky Bobby. no, 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 we yeah. We can't do that <clears throat> shit, so it's got to be behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, it can be the car driving out of the garage on right, the way to the track. Like, we got but... So we wrote it with that in mind, and, and you know, now that we'd written a couple episodes, we had a story bible, we had all the things you need, and um, and so the whole thing was all about product placement. So it was like, my thought was, man, even people, patches on the rival teams. Everywhere. Everything could be product placement, and it's not hitting you over the head because at the time, DVR was getting big, and people were like, hey, what's going on, John? Oh, I'm just having a Diet Coke. And yeah. it was kind of becoming they like a They didn't know how bit, to do it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. And so with NASCAR, it's like, that's the joke. It's built it's in. It's all about it. It's built and in. So, and these yeah. guys are always going to lose their sponsor and be done and now get another have to sponsor. Work at Jiffy Lube or something, yeah. you know? They were always one step away from being off the circuit forever. And, uh, 
So we got this, and this is how we came in contact with John through Jennifer Dumont. You had a character, his he, his his Jethro Skull, a oh, Jethro yeah. Tull. I was the lead singer of a tribute Je- band, Jethro, Jethro Tull tribute band. Yeah, and uh, and uh, so yeah, you were in the op- one of the op- the opening scene. Yeah, because a fight breaks out at the bar we're performing at. Yes, and I crack someone over the head with a flute. And you break your flute. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, I, I again, man, I just remember like everyone like involved. All the all the um, all the cast was just. I mean, Mike Nelson. Yeah, we've had him on the show. Mike. He is yeah. such a talented dude. Yeah. Oh, dude. Um, Every, yeah. Everyone went on to do bigger and better things, except myself. Well, um, uh, here I am in a basement. I'm kidding. Doing a podcast. Um, but <laughs> the no, only, it was the only very, basement in Los Angeles. No, Jennifer Dumont put together a hell of a cast. Yeah. And we had we had an amazing comedic talent there. Uh, Jill Bartlett. We had oh, Eric dude, Price, Jill's great. Josh yeah. Funk, Gary G. Thing Johnson. And is this right where you met your wife? Or no, did you already I'd met know? her before? Oh, you'd already know yeah, her. Okay. I gave her a part in it, of course. Yeah. She definitely hit the casting couch for that more than once. <laughs> I did make I made her audition because I didn't want to be that guy. And here was the thing. We had a very talented uh, Adam um Adam Devine, who's Oh. Now, yeah. Remember that's Adam? Right. Yeah, Adam, Adam was, was in, in that. That's oh, you I knew first, he was talent. Like, that's when we, where I first we cast met him. Because well, you know, I've been through on the other side with the casting and everything. Adam, I had one of my buddies who was who I was like, Oh, my buddy Al's gonna be in this for sure. And then Adam came in. I was like, he doesn't even look right for the part. And Jennifer's like, no, just 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 let him do his thing because it was like a goofy character he's gonna play, right? And Adam looks like the all-American kid, you know, the yeah, kid. And man, he was so amazing. We were like, oh shit. So the other producers like, we gotta have Adam. We gotta have Adam. So I talked to my buddy Adam, and it's a long story short. We ended up casting Adam, who's like now you know on top of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a great cast. And we all had a great time, and it, and it and it came out right as the economy crashed. And when we got it all said and done, it was like everyone was scared to death. Yeah. And we didn't have... Can't take a chance on a guy that they never heard of. Well, and we didn't have have NASCAR's blessing. They wanted nothing to do with it. They're very hard and (laughs) tough not to crack. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're very image conscious. We didn't have a literary agent or somebody big pushing. We did eventually find somebody, but that didn't work out. They kind of sat on it for nine months. We got in the door at some places through family and friends. Everybody kind of saying, hey, maybe I can get you in here. Maybe I can get you in there. And it never kind of made its way, but it was, you know, it still was, it was a great project. It was really fun. Like I said, it was all about the product placement and having a good time, but it did bring me to people like yourself and like all those people, like such a comedic cast. And it was such a, um, a great product. I mean, I remember, I think, you know, it could have been awesome. You know, I, dude, I, I, I remember I, what the, the immortal words of, he's still alive, uh, Joe Elms, it's not always the best stuff. Yeah, yeah. That ends up making it, and just and he didn't. He, that wasn't even a slam. He was just telling no. It's just the that's how works. it is. Yes. In the in the in the end, it it never got made. Um, but it brought me to a bunch and of wonderful. You made, well, it got it made, got made, but it never got, got yes, it never it, got it, sold. It exactly. It never sold, you, yeah, and yeah. I never became a big millionaire. Um, well, which I, you know would have loved. Dot dot dot. But, uh, to be continued. That means. But it did give me a wonderful experience of working with such comedic talents. Um, everyone except John Huck. Excuse me. I'm just kidding. Fair I'm just kidding. You were fantastic. But also making that making a product like that that something that everyone was sort of proud of. And, and yeah, no, we we were all proud of it, and and it gave me a wonderful experience as a producer because I'm not like the best uh, like producer. Um, is is learning how to work with different people. Like now we had four producers. Me and my buddy Bob, we cre- we co-created, and then we had the money guy and another producer, and we didn't always all get along. Do you know what I'm okay. saying? Like, yeah. So they were and that's different. How and what? Anything yeah, else? yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, and so I had never. Good. I'd usually been we, in charge. John and I don't even get along. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> well, even, we don't obvious. talk. We don't talk. I know. Anymore. I, I we just that. do the show. We just do the show, I've and then he needs to go. Um, okay. 
So that was interesting to, as a writer and a creator to, even with Bob, like Bob and I, would, we'd always gotten along really well. We still do. We just did a project recently together. But seeing like, oh, I see it this way. I see it this way. And then the, the money guys and then the other producer. So like, yeah, they're going to see it differently too. And, and so it was like, oh, so this is what people talk about. Now we had a bunch of people involved with different opinions of how it should go and learning how to navigate through that. Yeah. And then in the end, when we had it done and we were trying to get it to different places, everyone had realizing, their on that too. Well, we did. And realizing like, oh, there's four of us. And people don't like, you know, you have a w- one project like that and you're like, and there's four producers, so now we're going to have to cut this pie like this many times. And two of them, we aren't getting along over here and have different ideas. So that was uh, interesting. You yeah, found out a about learning that. experience. Keep, keep, keep it clean. Yeah. How exactly. clean's that script? How clean's this thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't it wasn't it was very dirty. clean. It was very dirty. Yeah, it was very dirty. And John Hook brought an element of filth that <laughs> I think just I think grime. you should see. <laughs> just a grime um, that you can't uh, but have you tried like re- have you tried doing anything with it lately? Like just putting it on Amazon, dude, doing it's anything? Like ten, I mean, you could, it's, but again, we have dated. all those people involved. It's ten years old, um, and it's it's you know, dated in a. I would love to. In fact, we had talked about like, oh, should we break it up into like mini little episodes and make it like a, a web series? But this is our moment for that. And like, my buddy Bob was like, do we want to do all this work? And then someone's going to tell us, you know, we were trying, we kept, we tried every avenue that yeah. we could. We never had that big person behind it. And, yeah. and again, it's still an awesome project. Um, and, uh, I'm better off for it. Yeah, and I, but um, I think that that's key. That like like we said earlier, like no one buys your first script. No one wants to. You know, you got to keep make. And now, like we again, like we said, the way everything is now, you can keep making your own stuff and keep you know producing your own content and kind of working on things you you like or you feel uh, that are worthwhile. You know, you don't you're not kind of stuck with. Uh, just because someone has all the film or the big camera, yeah. Or no, whatever. no, no. It's a di- hey. It's obviously it's a huge world out there with YouTube. That's a, that's a that's a segment you guys can do another time about the YouTube uh, generation and uh, everyone making projects. Because now it's a little uh, it's a little saturated. It's crazy. It's a little which saturated. is why I've always said if you don't know how to build a shelf, get the fuck out of Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wait yeah. a minute, you don't know how to build shelves. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't. They, she calls my buddy Al over. <laughs> So um, Al, stay in. You're out. Yeah, yeah. That's basically how it goes. No, but okay. yes, exactly. Um, what do you got? You got anything that people should be checking out right now? Man, uh, I got. I just did a hosting thing that uh, is being edited. It's like a. Uh, it's like a pilot episode. It's 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 nothing huge, but it's uh, it's being edited. Um, you can always go to robomalley.com if you want to hire me as a host or MC or as an yeah, actor. Yeah, you do a lot of that. Um, what was that picture of you and your wife at all the airports? Like hi, we're Tra- good looking. It's, it's called to traveling, Denver, John. Sometimes we put things. No, on no, the there's like a there's like a pictures of where we've been. No, no, there's like traveling. a billboard of people getting off like at the Denver airport, and it was like these you. And oh your yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean like, you know, when you're in this business, you do a bunch of different stuff. So I I get some print work, like modeling print work, and yeah, me and my do. wife were fortunate enough to have an ad for United, these like, these big print ads, and they were in all the United terminals. Wait, ah, together, you guys? Yeah. Oh. And it was like all over. Like you get off in a United terminal. I was sure so many people taking posters. pictures in front of it, going, "Hey, yeah. it was nice seeing you guys in Denver. It was yeah. nice seeing you guys." In and Atlanta. it was cool because well, my wife and I should we stay together? And we will, honey. I love you so much. No one's better than you ever. Um, <laughs> but we'll always have that when we're older. Be like, hey, remember that? That was cool. That was a really cool yeah. experience. And so uh, that was that was cool. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, that, Rob, that, that, yeah. Robomalley.com. Robomalley.com. And uh, did you want to? 
Talk about MySpace? Yeah. Do you still have your MySpace account? Because I'd love to be one of your top eight, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, you know. man. I would totally put you in your you top eight. You know how many people still have not deleted their I MySpace tr- account? I, tried I finally to, like, did it. Like, I, tried. <laughs> I tried so hard to get back into it, but they've... Why? It's, it's Why would gone. you do that? Why would you? It is Because I wanted to see if I could still get some it's of the gone, videos gone I had now? on it. Like, you couldn't. It was like they deleted your shit. I was going well, to I, I that nine years ago, yeah. but I wanted to see it's that. It's got to be out there somewhere. Well, it is, but the problem was it became AI. Like, AI, there was all, everybody was talking to each other with no one talking. It was just, it was it's just it, robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, it, was, it, yeah. Became, it just it, became bots going back and forth. <laughs> and maybe we'll be having this conversation about Facebook. I don't know. But, oh, I hope uh, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Last, oh, man, I mean, thank thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate you man, uh, taking the time. Man, I appreciate being on Hollywood Anonymous, man. That's awesome. Dude. When, you put it, when you put it that way, it sounds horrible, but this time. No, no, no I, dude. I, We're all fairly addicted to Hollywood, and this is basically a pseudo-intervention. Yeah, and thank you very much, guys. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, buddy. Um, all right, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe.